Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the FanDuel Thunderdome. It is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. This show starts now. Football is kicking ass. Thank God for a primetime matchup last night on Monday Night Football. That was actually something that people woke up this morning saying, damn, that was an awesome game last night. Damn, that was electrifying. Wow, two teams in the AFC West, although it might have started in one particular favor. The Raiders fought back and made that thing into a battle. At the end of the game, analytics took over and made a decision for the Raiders that none of us will ever truly understand. Devontae Adams pushed the shit out of a guy that might have looked like Hunter Renfro in his eyes just moments after tripping over him on a fourth down play that lost them the game. Nonetheless, the Chiefs don't cover but get the win. Raiders and Chiefs all the way back. AFC West saves the NFL primetime games from the lull. Uh, mm. oh. It has been in I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I mean, week five of the NFL slate just ended, and we're staring down week six. It starts with the commanders traveling to Chicago. Oh, Jesus. So if last night wasn't a banger, like we all assumed it would be because Patrick Mahomes is playing football on the field with a guy named Travis Kelsey who scored four tuds. We'll look Bye. at that here in a little bit. And Devontae Adams and Derek Carr seem to have found their connection. It felt like last night's game was going to be electrifying. Thank God it lived up to the hype. We'll talk about that and more on this glorious Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Also, uh, Eli Manning will be joining us here in a little bit. Uh, Kyle Van Noy will be joining us here in a little bit. Aaron Rodgers will be joining us in a little bit. And also, late booking here, like actually 45 seconds ago, Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, will be joining us here in about 35 minutes. Be a friend, tell a friend. Today should be a hell of a day uh, at Boston Connor, at Ty Schmidt, holding down the toxic table. Ty, baseball is happening. That's why you're dressed up in full uniform right now. That's right, baby. Yankees. Yankees got a game tonight. We're back. ALDS is on. When the, the Packers and Iowa are kind of stabbing you in the back a little bit and making you feel like shit on the weekends, now we go. Now we go. Hey, let's go get a World Series championship. Uh, I can't wait to see what that means. Is this a best of 45? What, what do we got best here? Best of five. Best of five, of best course. Best of five, oh, baby. Right? Yep. Of course, we'll all keep that. We'll keep updated on that, won't we, yeah. Dustin Connor? Yeah. Uh, last night's game was fantastic. Unbelievable. I mean, I feel bad for everyone who took, you know, all the Chiefs to score because Kelsey was the only guy to get in the end zone. But, yeah, it was fantastic. Nice to see McDaniels, you know, play a good game to a certain extent and then kind of fall back. I don't know what the hell happened with that two-point conversion. Down seven, four minutes left in the fourth quarter. You fought your way back into that game. And then, you know, I was told by the analytics people it was a coin flip. Okay, you know what's not? Carlson kicking a fucking extra point to send that thing into extra time whenever you were rolling at that point. It just, I I, I understand that analytics have a place in the game. The more information, the better. The more people that are invested in the NFL, the better. So if the nerds and the mathematicians, and nerds is a compliment, by the way. I wish I was a fucking nerd. There's a nerd squad. There's nerd this. Right. I, I called uh, Christian Wilkins a nerd Heisman on game day, mm-hmm. and I got flooded with some messages from some moms uh, that said, and me saying that was very offensive for their kid that's a very smart kid. Nerd's a fucking compliment. Okay, yeah. I wish I was a, a nerd. Everybody wishes they were, especially in the world that we're in right now yeah. with technology and hacking. And the smarter you are, the better you're going to be forever. Not necessarily, you know, collegiate educated, but if you're a nerd, you're going to be in a good spot. But the nerds have gotten invested in the NFL, which we absolutely love, make game better. But those people that just rely strictly on analytics, I think, are making decisions that don't necessarily involve humans, which are a part of the whole entire fucking game. Raiders could have extended that game last night. 
night. We could, we would think. We would think yeah. they could have. Yeah. Now, could their defense get a stop? We shall see. Who knows what's going to happen in overtime? Do you think McDaniels gives a fuck about the coin toss right now? Because the coin toss landed on the other side. They lost. That's the only thing that hindsight can really prove us. But that was an interesting decision. Nonetheless, great game. We did not win the Super Boost. That uh, tone digs. I thought you were on the right side. You that. tweeted early. Boost is dead. Well, did was. you? Was it because Brittany and Jackson Mahomes both back on the sideline before the game even started? Mm. My wife, Samantha, showed me a photo and she said, Boost is dead. This is the first time I think Jackson Mahomes has been back on the sideline for a game this season that we have seen. Mm-hmm. And although they are very positive, good energy, we knew we were pretty much probably fucked at that point. Is that when you knew we were gone or not, uh, Tone Diggs? I didn't know that happened. Tone. I didn't want to send it into the group. No. Sam showed it to me. She follows uh, Miss Mahomes. Beautiful family, incredible thing. Thank you, Brittany. But if we were to dig back into history, normally those two on the sidelines doing stuff, Not there's great. going to be some sort of story happening. Must there's going to be some sort of jump. New year, new year. Sure. Might be different. But when I saw that, I immediately thought, bad omen for our super boost, banking on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now, Patrick Mahomes throws for a bunch. Uh, a lot of short touchdowns he covers. The Chiefs do not, no. even though you ch- uh, took an alternate spread. Sure. What, when was the moment last night you thought we were fucked? Because I saw you tweet early, boost is dead. I'm like, what are we doing? Tony. Why, why is the boost dead, pal? I, I thought we were in Devontae a good... Devontae scored 7 nothing. Boost was dead. I mean, it was. At that moment, At that I, mean, moment I suppose it was dead. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can't be leaving. It was you can't be leaving Devonte wide. What did he get to seventeen zip? What was yeah. it? Yeah, 17, seventeen zip? Nothing. I think at one point it was more it? dead at that point, but. Seven nothing. I knew you can't win two in a row, boost. That's just impossible. Well, I'm fourth down. No, you're gonna hit. You're gonna hit a bunch. Let's not get crazy. Yeah, you're back on Thursday. Pal. Here we go. No, no, Tony. I lost. I'm out. No, you're batting no. 500. That's what That's I heard. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah, you're in Hall of Fame. So First on Thursday, battle. you're going 666, pal. Here we not go. Not because you're the devil, but because you're about to go two for three. Okay. Then what are you doing on Sunday, huh? Oh, Sunday's great. You're going three for four. Sunday, hey. uh, Sunday you got all the games in the world to pick pick between these one game off you gotta fucking force a pick and i'm making a lot of excuses right now i shouldn't be doing that i didn't know Brittany and jackson where that's probably why juju didn't play great last night either oh didn't even think about that there was a little tiktok shark in the water i I do apologize i should have won i apologize yeah we agree uh we agree and you were the reason why we didn't win so you should definitely think about that but you'll be settling that horse again on thursday for a great game between the commanders and bears i think we're gonna see a lot of tony unders yeah on that one potentially come on uh but anyways get your confidence back we appreciate the hell out of you pal and uh thanks for getting us a win on sunday although nobody will thank you for that because we got a loss last night uh joining us on the stage on the studio here a man who hosts in the trenches an absolute stallion a super bowl champion player and coach jackie moon of the nfl 12 years? 12 years. 12 years in the NFL at center with small arms, ladies and gentlemen, A.Q. Shipley. Hey, A.Q. How are we doing? I'm great, pal. How are you? Fantastic. I got to watch a throwback of 1956 football last night. Fullback, oh, yeah. fullback, fullback with McDaniels. It was awesome to watch. So, oh, yeah. so there's a lot of rude running from Josh Jacobs. Let's go ahead and oh. dive into the game from last night. Boys, chime in sure. whenever you feel fullback. Whenever you feel uh, compelled. There it is. Zero, zero game. First quarter, fourth and one. McDaniel says, we're going to lay it all on the line here on Monday Night Football. Derek Carr hits Devontae Adams wide open in a blown coverage. Missed assignment for his 200th touchdown pass. Devontae Adams promptly takes that ball, (laughs) throws it right into the fucking stands. They score another touchdown. Then it would be 14-zip in the second quarter. Everybody thinks that the Raiders are dead. Or the Chiefs 
Patriots are dead. The Raiders say, excuse me, Josh Jacobs and his rude running style was absolutely on display last evening. And I know there's angry runs with Kyle Brandt, and I know there's a lot of people that celebrate these types mm-hmm. of things. There's a lot of people that run mad, run angry. Josh Jacobs was looking for contact last night, which is why none of us understood why he was playing in the Hall of Fame game, yeah. yes. the opening game of the season for the Raiders. Ain't that right, AQ? Hell of a back, that guy. He's awesome. I mean, he's been running with abandon all season long. He's been awesome. Whoa. Not just this season. I think he's been good in the past, too, yeah. right? Yeah. I, and we talked to Michael Lombardi. Lombardi said he thinks that, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs is loving football again. Uh-huh. I wonder if in training camp he was giving off a bad aura to Josh McDaniels. Maybe he hated training camp like 99% of the people that play in the NFL. But whenever you have a new coach, new scheme, new everything, you have to act as if you're invested. And that's why Josh McDaniels said, hey, Josh Jacobs, I don't know if you know this from New England, we ain't never paid a running back. Nope. Nope. Okay, you ain't getting extended. We're not picking up your fifth year. Nope. And also, you're playing in a fucking Hall of Fame game when no other player that is going to make an NFL roster is on the field except for you. That was an interesting thing, and now we're starting to realize that maybe Josh McDaniels, Josh Jacobs back on the same side, and fucking thank God for it. He is awesome to watch run. Yeah, and Josh Jacobs, I believe uh, Aikman and Troy talked, or Aikman and Troy, Aikman and Buck talked about how Josh Jacobs kind of understood that, you know, them not picking up the fifth-year option. They have no allegiance to the team. The old line, I thought that, you know, we at least talked about how they lost Leatherwood, they lost a lot of guys, they weren't going to be that great, and now all of a sudden you know, they're playing out of their mind, and Josh Jacobs is kind of earning that fifth year. Old school football. The running back is making plays for the Raiders, opening up everything for maybe Derek Carr, mm-hmm. Devontae yeah. Adams, Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller only played six snaps yeah, last night. Right. A lot of people pissed off about that. We hope he gets healthy. Let's go to the second quarter. Four minutes and 45 seconds left in the half. 17 zip Raiders. Patrick Mahomes will finally get on the board with a target to Travis Kelsey. This will become a trend of Monday Night Football mm-hmm. last night. Patrick Mahomes finding Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, one of the greatest uh, tight ends of all time, bar none, guaranteed. When it's all said and done, he's going to try to make a case to be the greatest of all time, at least in the reception area, because the amount of receiving yards, touchdowns, and plays he makes on one of the most effective offenses in the NFL's history is notable, and I can't wait for that guy's Hall of Fame induction because it is going to be wild when the New Heights brothers show up. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because it seems like, especially the way he plays, like guys, or at least tight ends, like they don't get better as they get older like he it seems like he's just getting better like from one year to the next you know he has an incredible season it's like oh i don't know if he's going to be able to eclipse what he does last year boom we're in week five and he's got what seven touchdowns already like he's unbelievable he's finally around a good team right he's been sitting he was sitting there for a little bit in a little bit of a wasteland Mm -hmm. now he gets andy Reid and the boys super creativity and patrick mahomes who can make every single throw travis kelsey is crushing it 17-7 one minute and 14 seconds left in the half Derek Carr third and eight gets sacked Uh, fumbled ball recovery Jones is about to make this thing a three-point game Uh Mm -hmm. that would have been nice would have been perfect but instead, this was called a roughing the passer. And although Jones, who is an absolute stallion, made a hell of a play while sacking Derek Carr, not only do you have to get off the block and make the sack and get to the quarterback at 325 pounds, which he alluded to afterwards, he said, I'm 325 pounds. What do you, what do you want me to do? Come on. He then he gets the strip. He gets the ball in his hand. Then he even tries to brace himself a little bit not to land on a quarterback that he fucking took the ball from that he shouldn't even be worried about. The play is now all of a sudden... Jones is on offense. Carr is on defense at that exact moment. But the ref afterwards, when he was asked by a pool reporter, said, it did not matter where the ball was. 
It did not matter who had possession. Oh, okay. He just saw him laying all his body weight on top of him. It's like, well, the guy was fucking balancing one ball, which makes you have to go back to the Tom Brady roughing the passer from just Sunday, where Grady Jarrett makes one of the greatest plays with his defensive line. In the moment that they needed it, Grady Jarrett gets home on a four-man game. Sacks Tom Brady. Gets the ball back from Marcus Mariota and the boys on his third down. They'd been running the rock all over Tampa. Probably going to waltz down the field, maybe either tie this thing up or win it or at least give it another shot after getting blanked for the first three quarters and instead Jerome Boger makes a terrible roughing the passer call and we thought he'd be the only one that would maybe do it he's the only one that's maybe confused because he made that call just one week ago in the Buffalo in Baltimore game we shall see huh. how many of these referees uh-huh. stink so bad Lee, we complimented thee. We should have never done, you see, <laughs> because they started getting way too uh-huh. confident and egotistical. Lee. Lee. Anyways, 20 to 7, second quarter. Matthew Wright from 59 yards as ref. You suck chance. We're raining down on the field over at the kingdom. All of Kansas City had the right cues. All of Kansas City was uh, screaming bullshit. Mm-hmm. Ref, you suck chance. Yeah. It felt like a college atmosphere. It felt like the WWE. Somehow, Matthew Wright, who wasn't able to make a 50-yarder yeah. just a couple years ago, bangs home a 59-yarder, longest in that stadium's history. Jeez. And they have one of the strongest-legged kickers in the NFL's history in Harrison Butker. Now we go to the third. Four minutes and 14 seconds left. 20 to 17, Raiders Still holding the lead. Patrick Mahomes trips, falls, then he gets slumped down to the ground. Uh, that looks familiar. What's the difference? Hmm. No call. Second and goal. Once again, this is what happened <laughs> in Tampa Bay just yesterday or two days ago with Jerome Boger calling a roughing the passer in which Grady Jarrett grabs Tom Brady and huh, slings him down. Mm. Go back to the Patrick Mahomes play. After seeing Grady Jarrett, he gets the snap on first and goal. Stumbles. Falls. All of a sudden, he's grabbed by Perriman. Slung down. Don't know what the difference is. None of us know what the fuck a roughing the passer is. Let's figure that out sometime soon because it's ruining games. And we're not saying that Mahomes should be a roughing the passer. We're just saying, can we get some fucking consistency here? Just what yeah. is what is roughing yeah. the passer? Will somebody tell us we would like to know? Because you got it. You don't. It's a fumble. It isn't. It's this. It's that. We would like to know a fucking answer. Let's also get it reviewable. I think I saw Drew Brees post like, hey, can we not just review mm-hmm. these? Because then we can kind of make more sense of it. We agree. Review them. And also tell these refs with the subjective power to relax. This is football. Let's not ruin games. Nonetheless, after the sack, now Patrick Mahomes has the ball in the eight. 20 to 17 still. Third quarter. And he's going to find who? Who? Travis Kelsey, uh. one stiff arm, two stiff arms, gets into the end zone with a great block from the wide receiver. Travis Kelsey now with his third touchdown of the evening. Oh, my God, record-breaking night for Travis Kelsey. He isn't done just yet. 24-20, Raiders have to answer. Derek Carr, first and 10, hands the ball off to Josh Jacobs. This was a story of the night. The offensive line making big gaping holes and Josh Jacobs hitting those things really fucking Mm -hmm. hard they would settle for a field goal it'd be 24-23 fast forward to the fourth quarter 37 yard attempt for Matthew Wright oh Oh, no just hit a 59 yarder before half misses from 37 oh no 24-23 the Raiders are going to get the ball no they aren't holding defense Special teams of the Raiders, the guy who just walked through the screen right there, Tom McMahon, special teams coordinator, thinking to himself, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Let's go to Patty Piero here, shall we, on this particular play. 
So the interesting thing here, and nobody really talked about it, and I think it is something that's worthy of a conversation. You got to obviously look at 51 right here, okay? He's going to attempt to run a pool shoot. What is a pool shoot? Oh, I'm sorry, 51 is the next one inside. You get it. This guy. Pool shoot is whenever you, um, you reach out, okay, and most field goal techniques is hands are out, trying to be as big as possible. What's it called, AQ? Die what? Die slowly. Die slowly. Mm. That is literally what protection is called. You're going to die. Just needs you to do it in a slow fashion. Mm -hmm. So all the offensive linemen, tight end, and anybody else that steps in for a field goal block, like you are fucking great people. You are just getting run through. It used to be like 600 pounds of force behind people because there would be pushers wow. and double teamers. And offensive linemen will literally just sit there and be taught to die slowly. You're going to fall. You're going to get crushed. Just do it in a slower fashion. Arms are wide. You're trying to catch everybody. This particular one probably reaching out to number two. So a pull shoot is when you're trying to knock down the person's arms so that the hole that that person is supposed to be blocking in, you can run through. It's not even really a good pull shoot. This is certainly something that the Kansas City Chiefs special teams coach, Tobe, told the ref about beforehand, hey, Raiders are doing a pull shoot. You can't do that. This was made illegal because guys were coming scot-free and blowing people up. So I think this was a ticky-tack call, bull shit call, mm. but I think it was because the special teams coordinator for the Chiefs alerted the refs that the Raiders were doing this and Tom McMahon has to sit here and think to himself, how the fuck is that being called a penalty in the modern NFL? Tom, Raiders fans, we don't know. Matthew Wright had no idea it happened. He obviously misses. We move on in the game. Chiefs would then obviously go on to Score, score touchdown. Touch oh, so that is a game changer. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes finds Travis Kelsey, 4-7, and for Travis Kelsey's fourth uh, touchdown of the evening, they would go on to take the lead to make it 30-23. They would go for two to try to make this a nine-point game, a two-score game with 7.25 left in the game. What would happen? Max Crosby, uh-uh, bats that thing down makes a hell oh, of a football play so now it's 30 to 23 Raiders get a chance to go ahead and tie this thing what are they going to do with it third and six four minutes and 34 seconds left around midfield Derek Carr takes a snap drops back on the run uncorks one Devonte Adams Derek Carr drops it in a bucket Devonte makes a hell of a catch for his second touchdown of the evening now down one point after scoring a touchdown mm -hmm. with the option to kick an extra point they go for two we all remember that if you're down 14 math says you should go for two twice yep. because you're good better than 50 percent chance to get two-point conversion if you make the two-point conversion on the first one you have eight points now a touchdown extra point wins you the game you don't get the two-point conversion on the first one you got another opportunity at it the second time when you're down seven i ain't never heard of a motherfucker <laughs> oh, ever dude. going for two instead of going to um kicking the extra point and going to overtime do you have any idea why they did this aq zero chance that I would have ever made this call to go for two. I have no reason to think why they would. I have no reason. The Raiders had success on offense. They had some success on defense. Yeah. I don't know why you would want to win this thing with 427 left right now. Then you're just saying, if best-case scenario here, you're telling Patrick Mahomes you have four-minute offense, basically, to get in the field goal range. Guy hit a 59-yarder, missed a 37-yarder, and also another kick, so who knows what it is. This was a fascinating thing. Yeah. Stats people are telling us we're wrong. 
down seven, football, a touchdown's worth six, sure. extra point is worth one, seven points is normally the fucking standard of what we're going for. Uh -huh. yeah. Would have extended it. They don't do it. Their two-point conversion play, Derek Carr gets a snap, hands it off to Josh Jacobs. Good push from the offensive line. I think you're going to hear A.Q. Shipley say, but some reason, somehow, his knee was down about an inch and a half short. They do not get it. So now they're down one. 30 to 29. They end up getting the ball back after getting a stop on our Chiefs, and they get like less than a minute left. Fourth and one. On third down, the reason why it's fourth and one is because there was a catch that was ruled a no catch, but Devontae said it was a catch because he said, although I have control of the football, it might not look like it in the video review. He just did a nonchalant, casual, two yep. toes, down, jump out of bounds. I believe Devontae. If Devontae's mm -hmm. saying he had control of the ball, I assume he had control of the football. Did anybody ask him in the review system? Probably not. So then this is the game. This is it. 30-29. Devontae Adams outside. Hunter Renfro in the slot. They run into oh, each other. No. Ball goes to nobody. Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes get a win for a Monday Night Football matchup that we'll talk about for a while. Thank you, Casey. Good recap. We'll have more on that. I felt like we just lived the game. We'll have more on that throughout the hours of the show here. Joining us right now. Never mind. Never mind. No, no. What? That's why I cut it out. I cut the show because it's all relay for Eli. Yeah. Turns out they're late for us. Nonetheless, Devontae Adams on the outside, allegedly via Golden Tate tweet, mm -hmm. this play that they ran on fourth and one in the fourth quarter uh, to, with 47 seconds left, Devontae has to release outside. He released inside, causing him and Hunter Renfro to run into each other. That's what Golden Tate's playbook says. I guess we could take that for its word. Nonetheless, they both end up on the ground. Chiefs get a win. They don't cover. Hell of a fucking Monday Night Football. Seems like Devontae was upset after the game, too, about mm -hmm. that or something. Well, are you saying that because he shoved that Hunter Renfro-looking guy that was carrying the metal thing that cut in front of him? I didn't think he shoved uh -huh. him. I think it was just an accident. So, can't have it, right? Obviously, players can't just be throwing people around. To <laughs> no. The yeah. if, you, if they're going to streak sure. or come on the field, hey, do what you got to do. That's right. If the person's obviously working there, yeah. though, mm -hmm. can't be pushing the person. Now, to Devontae's credit here. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for anybody carrying a medal or anything to cut in front of Devontae Adams there, right? It's a player, obviously can't do it. Devontae cannot do what he just did. There. No. Like, there is, there is obviously fault in a lot of things in the world. Devontae's the one that made this escalate into this thing. Mm -hmm. Why is that guy cutting in front of Devontae? Who knows, right? I mean, that is all. Yeah, he's carrying uh, metal. It's in Kansas City. Clearly. He cuts right in front of Devontae. But Devontae also can't. Can't do that. That can't happen. Devontae puts out a tweet, says, I felt horrible immediately upon it happening. Mm -hmm. Somebody tell that guy I apologize. Mm -hmm. Sorry about it. He literally, <laughs> he, he immediately addressed it. Sorry a guy pushed over after the game. Obviously very frustrated at the way the game ended. And when he ran in front of me as I exited, that was my reaction. I felt horrible immediately. That's on me. My apologies, man. Hope you see this. I don't know if he has seen that, but that guy has filed a police report, is going to set up to do a lawsuit. Let's assume Devontae's going to have to settle this financially somehow with this mm -hmm. guy. Let's hope he's safe, the guy that got knocked over, because sure. yeah. uh, he did file a police report. But that's the world we're in. Devontae knows it. Devontae took ownership over it. Can't be just pushing people that are working the games down. He knows that. Terrible ending to that game, though, with Hunter and Devontae running into each other. But you like the old school football, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders team. Is that what they're going to be going for, or they have to be, I guess? I think they have to be. I mean, they got a really good group up front, especially, you know, you mentioned Leatherwood. Probably the best decision they could have made, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably the best decision. They got a really good group, and they're doing some nice things. They got the fullback involved, they got the play action game going. 
I hope that is the offense you see moving forward because that is, that is a damn good football team. The Kansas City Chiefs, though, on the flip side, like we've been talking about it for a few years. We're not the only people. Obviously, everybody's been talking about this. When Patrick Mahomes needs to play, even when Tyreek Hill was there, Tyreek Hill obviously helped the entire Kansas City Chiefs offense. He was able to do things that nobody else on earth is able to do, where teams had to you know, kind of change the math for Tyreek Hill so that it opened up for everybody else. When they had a third down they needed, when they needed to score, when they needed a, like, hey, we have to make a play, it seemed to always end up in Travis Kelsey's hands. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, obviously very good friends. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they hang out a lot. They're together. They become the best tandem in the NFL now yeah. that – Devontae and Aaron aren't together. Right. It is fantastic to watch them go. And I know Patrick said at the beginning of the season, each week it might be somebody new. Each week it might be somebody new. We don't know who's going to be. The only constant it feels like is that Travis Kelsey is going to score a fucking touchdown. And when the Raiders were up 17-zip, you could get Travis Kelsey to be an anytime touchdown scorer at plus 100. I put a quick thousand on that thing and said Travis Kelsey is going to score at some point because Patrick Mahomes is only going to look for one person the rest of the game because they're all got to have it situation. Juju had a couple drops. Hopefully he'll be able to figure it out. McCole Hardman made some plays. I saw him break some tackles. But when they need it, it's always been Travis Kelsey. And last night was the celebration of that, it felt like, Ty. Well, and we talked about it i don't know if it was you know yesterday or last week like the teams the chiefs are that team where even when it was 17 nothing it was just you were just expecting them like okay well they're definitely going to score on their next possession and they're going to be here in the fourth quarter i don't know how many teams like we talked we've talked about how in the nfl now it, it seems a lot more often that teams can erase you know big leads in in a matter of minutes but the chiefs really are maybe next to like the bills or the only team where if they're down 17 nothing, 24 nothing. there's, you know, in terms of at least gambling, it's like, okay, well, what, what can I get the Chiefs money line at right now? Because it just always feels like they're going to figure out a way to get it done and win. Great live bet team. The yeah, Kansas City unbelievable. Chiefs. Just kind of keep it alive. Yeah, a lot of good-looking live bets on FanDuel Sportsbook. You could get the Chiefs at plus 3.5 at one point early in the game and at plus money to win it. And it's like, I put out a tweet. I said, cut damn. That McGee re- replied yeah, to. Right. Shout out to McGee. Shout, Shout out, out McGee. McGee. I said, the Raiders are dominating or, or dominant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were. Wasn't yeah. surprised by all of us. But I also knew, I'm going to go check out these live bets right now yeah. to see what we can get Chiefs these Chiefs for. Because what was it? The Titans in the playoffs? Yep. How many? Or Texans. Texans. Texans, 20, Texans yeah. 17 or 24. Mm-hmm. And then back to back. It's like they have the ability to do that. And I think they'll forever be able to do that with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Joining us now is another quarterback, a man who is, you know, spending his legacy as a Hall of Famer, multi-time Super Bowl champion. Now, you know, he's like our favorite person to watch a Monday Night Football game Mm -hmm. with. By far. Him and his brother have obviously created incredible things with the Omaha production and content and life and everything like that. But what he's doing right now with Quaker Oats, with the Quaker Hunger Clock, uh, and their partnership with Feeding America, where they will – Donate up to $250,000 to help feed America and help, you know, take care of the hunger situation around the United States. Makes this man not only great on the field, but off the field. An absolute philanthropic hero. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, son of Archie, brother of Peyton Cooper, uncle of Arch Manning going to Texas. Why? Eli Manning. Yeah! Thank you, Pat. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, great work. I understand you're probably doing a lot today with this Quaker Oats thing. This is really incredible. I'm happy to be, you know, uh, able to talk to the world about this. A lot of money being donated to Feeding America. How'd you get involved with this, and how long has your relationship with Quaker Oats been? 
Yeah, so excited to partner with Quaker for a number of reasons. One, I'm a huge oatmeal fan, so I, you know, have it every single morning, including this morning. And so, uh, but also believe in their mission, and um, that's helping others and dealing with this hunger issue, and that the circumstances of life should never be a barrier to good nutrition. And so, uh, part of that commitment uh, to help advance food secure in the U.S., they are creating the Quaker Hunger Clock in partnership with Feeding America. And they're going to hope to raise $500,000 equivalent to 5 million meals uh, for Feeding America. And they want to do that by Super Bowl 57. So there's a clock in Arizona across from the Super Bowl. It's counting down the minutes until the, until the Super Bowl and counting up the number of meals raised by do- donations. So you can go to QuakerHungerClock.com and find out more information and how to donate. So, and uh, learn a little bit about this initiative. Hey, that's amazing. Well done. I never understood the, I've donated to things like this, the meal stuff. And they've told me how many people I helped with the amount of money I, I donated. And I'm like, how? That's pretty good return on dollar. There. Yeah. yeah. 500,000 yeah. helping 5 million people pay. That's amazing. That's or eat. That's incredible. Eli. Yeah, Let's go, Eli. Thank you. Yeah, Eli. Hey, here we Thank go, you. Eli. This is, this is Quaker feeding America. They're, they got it figured out. Well, your name has become synonymous now with uh, QuakerHungerClock.com. Your name has become synonymous now with Monday Night Football, you know, because Monday Night Manning has become such a good tradition for a lot of people. And we hope it's for years and years to come. We know you signed a massive deal to continue to do such a thing. So that's great news. Last night's Monday Night Football game feels like it was the first game that wasn't like a snoozer in primetime for the NFL in some time. You know, Thursday, Sunday, we had a little bit of a run. Last night was a shootout. What are your thoughts on the game, Eli? And Travis Kelsey scores four touchdowns. Would have been nice to have that guy as a teammate, I assume, at some point. Yeah, just red zone all over the place. The guy just gets open. I swear, and he doesn't have routes. It's like, uh, yeah, Travis, just kind of run around. And like, <laughs> if you just get open, whatever you feel you got to do. And Mahomes just finds him. But it was, I thought it was a great game. Obviously, Raiders, you know, uh, had a chance to tie it at the end, go for two. But still, they get the ball back. So I like the call. I like the call to go for two right there. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You did like that call. I like, I like it in the sense where if it's tied up, I feel like Mahomes and the Kansas City are saying, hey, it's tied up. Now we can be aggressive and we can go and, you know, we're going to get a field goal. We can we can move the yard 40, you know, you move the ball 45 yards and get a field goal. All of a sudden, if they get it, you got a little pressure on you. If you don't get it, they're still like, oh, oh now we just got to get a first down. We got to try to run the clock out. You're not going to be aggressive. And and they end up it working in the sense that they got the ball back. It was two minute, two and a half minutes left, and now you have a chance for you to have the final drive and go win the game. They just didn't. They didn't do that. They didn't capitalize on that opportunity, and that was the moment they needed to to shine on. Okay, that's interesting because I just immediately, you know, and obviously I have a lot of respect for you and your brain and your football acumen because, you know, just like Peyton, you have been in an NFL family you know, since birth, basically. So I will always have massive respect for anything you say. I think that's why Monday Night Manning does so well, because both you guys talking, it's like, okay, feed us more information. We appreciate that. I know that the new thing with stats was if a team's down 14, they score a touchdown, you go for two. Because if you go for two, then all you got to do is score a touchdown, kick an extra point, you win. If you don't get it, you still got another opportunity to go for two. You're going to hit at least one of those. I understood that. Down seven, though, I had never heard this before. I, I enjoy listening to you break it down, though, because if you get it, you think Kansas City is going to have to be a little bit more aggressive because they know they have to get it. So maybe you can pick them off, even though a field goal does the same thing in both ways. Like, is that what you're saying, Eli? You think it's just like a mental yeah. thing almost? 
I think it's just a yeah, it just plays a little mental part, and, and and more so if you don't get it, you'll still I feel like you have a better chance of getting the ball back if you don't get it because it, it changes the philosophy of Kansas City now that they're up one instead of being tied, and so now they don't have to be aggressive. They can try to run it out, and and all of a sudden they're playing conservative football. And you want Kansas City playing conservative football. They're playing aggressive football, and they you know obviously they were down in that whole game. For the most part, they fire back. They're playing super aggressive, and they're they're scoring at will. And now all of a sudden, it's like you got to change that. And now it's like, oh, now hey, but now we got to like you know be a little conservative. Don't don't screw this up. And you know they they went you know give the ball back right away. So the Raiders, you know, you want the ball in your hand with a chance to win the games at the end. And that's what you you know why you have great players and a quarterback you trust and Devontae Adams like, Hey, we're going to put the ball in your hands, go win it for us. And when you don't, you know, when you don't come through with that, I think you still got to look, Hey, we, we made the right decisions. We just didn't execute. And now it was, you know, that's, that's, that's on us. Okay. Hey, by the way, I feel like I learned something today from old Eli Manning, not only about the uh, QuakerHungerClock.com, where they're going to be donating $500,000 worth of meals, Quaker $250,000 itself, go to QuakerHungerClock.com, but also maybe it is the mentality. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's what McDaniels was thinking, like, hey, if we get to this, they're either going to have to sit on it, or if we take the lead, they're going to have to press a little bit. We might be able to take advantage of that. I'm intrigued to hear more from old Eli Manning about things that are going around the NFL. How about now, I don't know what it is you're a good person okay you're a great person from what i know thank you you. (laughs) from what i think you're a great person geno smith and you right that story in new york is a big one will always be and maybe dable comes back and wins some games and gets the stories out of Mm -hmm. you know just negative stuff all the time but seeing geno do what geno's doing right now even though they get a loss to the saints is this something you knew was going to happen is this something you're happy for him and have you talked to geno smith at all since you know, his entire Seahawks run started here. Yeah. I talked, you know, we called, called their game and, and talked to him that week and, and got to, uh, uh, you know, catch up. And, you know, I, I know Gino having been there a number of years, been in this offense, uh, been around these players, he's going to come out and, and play well. He has the ability to throw it. He's, he's always had that ability of throwing the football and it comes out naturally. And, um, I think sees things, but just a hey, being in one system for a number of years, he's grown up. He, he had, you can just see it in the, in the films I've watched of, of just his comfort in that offense of changing protections of, you know, getting into the, the, you know, check with me's and going from run to run, pass to run, different options. He just feels comfortable. Um, and so, you know, he's making good decisions. He's protecting the ball. And so when a quarterback is making good decisions, that lets the offensive coordinator be a, more aggressive. Hey, we can call these shots. We can call more pass plays. We can do these things. And if it's not there, hey, he's going to check it down. He's going to make a good decision. And then we can get back to it later. And that's what you see with Gino. He's, he's making good decisions. Um, and he's, you know, and he's throwing the ball accurately, making a lot of great plays. Yeah, it's fun to watch as a West Virginia guy. And obviously, I'm happy to hear that you're happy for him as well. Uh, Chad Powers, what type of player is he in the game? You know, because mm-hmm. we didn't really get to see any game footage of Chad Powers. How would you describe him? He's a he's a no risk it, no biscuit guy, it seems like, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's all out there. You know, sometimes he knows the plays. Sometimes he just improvises. You know, he the the uh, 
you know, the, the, the play, you know, kind of the audio system goes out in his helmet a lot because he wants to call us. <laughs> oh, own got, it. Um, got it. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of one of those things. I can't hear you. Like, or it's just called Chad, you know, Chad quarterback draws a lot and, and throwing bombs is basically the, uh, the attitude he, he lives with. I was, I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Mom. You failed. Who's your teacher? Mom. Bad teacher. Good coach. Good coach. <laughs> <laughs> She's hard on me. She's hard on me. Uh, big on mechanics. Hey, you were fucking good in. Hey, you were good in that. Uh, I hope you, that, that yeah. we. You know, Ted Lasso was once just like a yep. yes. little yeah. gimmicky thing. Chad Powers needs at least a thirty-minute. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the boys has a question for you. If that's okay, Eli. Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead, Ty. Eli, with how close you are with the Giants still, when you and Peyton had them on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys, I think they were two and zero at the time. But it was they kind of you know it was a little bit of a dud, and everyone was thinking, "Hey, what's going on there?" But they you know they look great since then. And with you being up in that area still, what's the vibe around the Giants? Do fans and like do you feel like they got it right with Dable? And is this team a serious contender this year moving forward? Well, I think yeah, definitely the fans feel they got you know got it right with Dayball, and that you know things are going well. And Wink Martindale, they're you know playing good on defense. They've had some injuries on defense. They're starting to get some guys back. Receiving core is still you know banged up, and you know have some guys that aren't playing much and some new faces out there. But they're being creative all offensively. They're you know putting you know play action and bootlegs and nakeds. They're helping Daniel get outside where he can run, he can throw it. They're getting the ball to Saquon. They're disguising him and whether it's quarterback draws and uh, you know screens um, and and you know they're finding ways to win in the fourth quarter. And that's what you want to see a team can do. They get they can find a way to keep it close, keep it tight, and play their best football down the stretch. So there's definitely some excitement around. You're seeing more Giants hats and, and T-shirts, uh, you know, around the neighborhood a little bit more. So it's it's good to have them winning and playing well and, and in contention at this point in the season. We know you have a busy day, so we'll let you out of here. Who's winning the Super Bowl, Eli? The Giants. What do you mean? Who, who else? Can aside from right? the Giants. Okay. Aside from the Giants. I mean, I think. In, I mean, in the AFC, it's. I mean, it's, it's the Chiefs and Bills, right? I mean, that's who who you kind of thought it was. Hey, why is uh, that? Eli? Hey, Eli, don't you think we can tell now? Like. Who- Teams that are built to go in the Super Bowl. Like, I think we can tell, separate the teams that are built to go in the Super Bowl and aren't. Don't you? I think so. I mean, I think those two those two guys stick out. Their quarterbacks are playing great. Their defense, they can you know can create turnovers and get after it. And you know, you just feel like if whatever the game, the circumstances, you know, those two guys are going to step up and, and make the plays, and they, they have the ability to to blow you out, or they have the ability to make comebacks and, and win close games as well. All right, Eli, we appreciate you so much. Go to QuakerHungerClock.com if you want to help Eli and Quaker on their mission to help feed the hunger. Uh, no, the hungry. There yes, it is. There Ladies and gentlemen, uh, future Hall of Famer, multi-time Super Bowl champ, Eli Manning. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Thank, you, Pat. Thank you, guys. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, awesome. Chad Powers needs like a third. Yeah, minute. own series. Yeah, they should do like a little mini series. Yeah. got Six Powers too. Yeah, well, I think that's probably how the Powers... If I had to be, yeah. what if they're brothers? Chad and Kenny? Yeah. Separated at birth. Both had great arms. One became pitcher. One became home school. star. Oh, <laughs> my. There it is. This is happening right now. I think it should. Hey, how come you weren't chirping at all in that? Yeah. I looked over at AQ. I said, you got a question for Eli? He goes, nah, he's actually sleeping. Yeah. Thinking about second lunch. Chad's a Penn State guy, too. I'm going to go take a look at that clock, though. 
It's outside. Uh, it's in Arizona, he said. I'm going to go find that the clock. That is the one time he, he, he chirped it. The I'm Quaker gonna, hunger yeah, clock. Yeah, I'm going to go find the clock. Talking to himself, he doesn't realize he had a mic on the whole time. Yeah, I had to tell him, hey, you are. <laughs> yeah. You are Shut mic up, dude. Fucking snoring, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't. There was a. Wake up. Uh, yeah. Eli was not boring. Eli was good. Yeah. He's the best. No, What's this guy very, sleeping He's about? very interactive when people are on the phone. I was excited to hear about Chad Powers, you know. Why do you Goes back to that place, you know. What place? That place. Which place? Happy That Valley. place, Happy Valley. Where it all happened. Big game this weekend, boys. Who? Big. Penn State, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Oh, People nice. were telling us that that's where game day should have went or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Is that number eight versus number like three or no? Or Four one? versus ten. Oh, that's oh, close. Close. Oh. Almost. It's close. It's close. That is a big game. There's a lot of really good games uh-huh. starting to happen. Mm-hmm. I'll be intrigued to see what game day decides to do Yeah. going forward. Because mm-hmm. I think if you look at the slate, if you look at – there's some good games. A lot of voices. There's some teams that are like normally not that good that are good, so they're ranked. So a game that's kind of normally uh, throw away, throw it like it's all of a sudden it's a game now, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like, oh, what is game day going to do? You know, ratings came out for the Kansas one, pretty good. It seems like the show's yeah, doing bad. pretty good. Really? Not bad. It seems like going to Kansas was pretty good. good. Well, I think to your point too, like it's especially like yeah, you know, you always have Alabama and Georgia or whatever, but. There's something about going to these campuses who have never had it before because mm-hmm. the crowd does show up and it, it almost it, it feel the environment just feels a little bit different. Like everyone is incredibly invested. And obviously when you go to Alabama or one of those SEC schools, they're invested, but like all of them have had game day there multiple times. So when you go somewhere that, you know, it's like, oh, we were supposed to fucking stink this year. Like, yeah, it's been cool. It's, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. Experience in Kansas was great. Lawrence was fantastic, especially at Companile. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. The Companile. That's the Italian bell that they walk through when they graduate. At the top mm-hmm. of the hill, they go down the hill to the stadium. Joining us now is another Italian. A uh, man is a head coach of the NFC North leading Minnesota Vikings. Got the gig after coaching for the Los Angeles Rams. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin O'Colini. Yeah, yeah, Kevin! What's up, dude? Hi, right, hold on. I think we had you muted. Sorry, we just turned you up. You look good. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you sound amazing. Listen, I'm sure life is good. First time head coach in the NFL. All, all you're doing is, I don't know, creating one of the most – Effective offenses in the NFL, leading the NFC North. It seems like the hair is doing great. Yeah. Is life perfect right now, Kevin? It's the illusion of being perfect, but uh, <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's been a good start for the year for our guys and uh, loving, uh, loving our team, loving what we're doing. But as you know, Pat, you know, you're always, uh, I feel like, uh, just four quarters away from getting a nice slice of humble pie in this league. So we're always working to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, you're one game away from an overreaction Monday asking whether or not Kevin O'Connell is a good head coach. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just every, it's, it's, week, it's week to week. Uh, but at this point, the week to weeks have gone great for you. Coming from the Rams over to the Vikings, I think we're all intrigued to see what style of offense you run with Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson has become this X factor that's almost unguardable. Is he the Cooper Cup role that everybody on the internet just says, like, oh, Kevin O'Connell taking Justin Jefferson making him Cooper Cup. Is it as easy as that? Is that? Are you viewing him in the same way? Or why has this become so successful this season? Not that it hasn't been in the past, but it is a real weapon for you right now, it feels like. Yeah, I think when I look at what Justin's role is in our offense is really what it's evolved to is, is he's really a little bit of everything. You know, when we want to by formation, he can play that role. When we want him to be your traditional kind of X receiver, he can play that role. And then obviously just knowing how people are defending him, the different types of variations that we see, 
Um, you know, we just have to have the ability to move him around. He's got to have a role in, in different aspects of our first and second down plan, what we try to do with him on third down. And then obviously we know down in the low red zone, I mean, he dictates so much coverage that uh, I definitely want to always have him, you know, majorly involved in what we do. Can we always make him the first progression when the look dictates? Great. Um, but I feel great about Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, Irv Smith, guys coming to life. Uh, when uh, Kirk just makes good decisions with the football and we build it in a way where he can just play fast and, and be aggressive when uh, when we need him to. Let's talk about Kirk a little bit because obviously outside looking in, the conversation about Kirk is vastly different than what is happening right now. He couldn't win a big game, can't do this, even though he's won a playoff game on the road, won primetime games. The narrative about Kirk is always going to be the narrative about Kirk for whatever reason, no matter how many, you know, chains he's going on with a little mm-hmm. spinning mm-hmm. thing on it in the back of the thing and no matter how many plays he makes what have you learned about kirk this season you think that maybe surprised you or was different than what your preconceived thoughts were i know you probably didn't have any but you get it what did you what have you learned about kirk this season that has made you be like yeah this guy we can win a super bowl with and we're going to i think uh, his demonstration of just the mental toughness that it takes to play this position um it's not always going to be perfect uh, i know for sure uh, i can be a lot better for him and, and continue to help put him in situations and, and types of offensive flows in the game where he can just play quarterback and and, and use his talent and his ability and his experience to have it all kind of come to life uh, but just his mental toughness the ebbs and flows of just in a game um, to be able to be at his best at the end of some games, quite honestly, that uh, you know our consistency hasn't been the best just as a football team, but we either start fast and then uh, you know a lot of times defensively things happen and, and they're able to make some plays too. And then ultimately, can we rally? Can we rally behind our quarterback in those end-of-game situations, whether it's a seven-minute drive uh, you know, with 18-plus plays, whatever it was last week to win, or it may be the two-minute variety like he had to do against uh, New Orleans and Detroit um, to go get us the lead back. But ultimately, I think for our team, for Kirk, uh, it's just been a positive to know that uh, we've trailed in the fourth quarter some games that we've ended up winning because of our guys and their ability to go make plays and Kirk leading the way. Um, hopefully, we can just continue to develop that consistency for four quarters. Uh, but we do know in the back of our minds, we've now confirmed that we can win a game uh, despite Lee, you know, losing the lead in the fourth quarter. And, and, and Pat, you know how competitive this league is. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes people look at certain teams you're playing or what historically they've been like. That means nothing to me. Um, every single game is going to be a grind. Uh, we know that teams are too well coached. Uh, there's too many good players in this league for it to just be uh, a consistent walk down the field every time you touch the ball. That's just not realistic. Um, so we know we're going to deal with adversity in game. And ultimately, uh, you know, our guys having the ability to come together and that group of 11 players going out there feels like they're going to go win the football game right now when they get those ops. Hey, it's hard to win the NFL. You know, that's why the year we were two and 14, there was like nine games that were one score games. I mean, we accidentally pick up a fumble late Mm -hmm. and run it in. We win those games. It's a whole different game. It is wild to keep those boys you know, motivated the way you've been able to do it. You've been, it's been an electrifying style of football to watch. I hope you know that. Congrats on the incredible start. AQ Shipley has a question for you. Hey, coach. Great start yeah. to the season. Um, I know it's real easy to talk about the passing game and what you've been able to have with that. As a former offensive lineman, right? Hell yeah. How much easier does it make your job calling plays when that run game is cooking with the big boys up front? 
I think it's a huge point because everything we do, um, you know, we have a saying, we try to have plays start out looking the same but are different. And the easiest way to do that is to be under center, uh, have your run game cooking like you said, and then ultimately be able to marry different variations of pass game, whether it's keeper, screens, play passes, um, all of those things come together in a way that become hard to defend, um, less, you know, less predictable, and, and obviously put our guys with maybe that one or two step advantage uh, to be able to attack coverage. But it all starts with the run game, and with us, um, the run game requires all 11 guys to do their job, quarterback included, getting us in and out of certain runs versus some looks that we maybe don't like and get us to a more premier play. I mean, that's coach speak a lot of times, but in our system, um, it, it's the lifeblood of what we do. And then ultimately, you got to be able to block people. You got to be able to move people. It's not always going to be uh, the perfect angles, the perfect assignments, everybody covered up. Sometimes it's a matter of guys just straining and finishing and having a little bit of Strain. grit to what they do. Oh, yeah. um, that oh. That is really the difference between three, four-yard runs and six and seven-yard runs that make it a heck of a lot easier to call plays, to activate tempo, uh, to just be in attack mode. You don't have to be throwing it uh, over people's heads all the time to just feel like you're in attack mode. Sometimes the way you're being defended, uh, it's a completion mindset in the pass game, and it's a grind in the run game. Um, but we can put together, we've proven we can put together long drives with guys doing their job, snapping and snap out. But our Chris Cooper's done an unbelievable job with our offensive line. I think our guys across the board, even with a rookie right guard, um, you know, those that, that group's really gelled and um, now becomes the challenge of how consistent can we be and really build plans around those guys, knowing that Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison are two of our best players that we want to get going and, uh, you know, really set the table for everything we want to do offensively. I think it's a great point. That first half, I mean, Dalvin Cook had two tuds. Kirk Cousins started 18 for 18. Justin Jefferson had eight targets for eight catches. It means, like, how do we do that every single yeah. – yeah. how do we do that every single half? I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you maintain that, but it sounds like good run game is a great way to start. Tone, your question for Coach Kevin O'Connor. Coach, you being a former quarterback and OC, uh, in the early part of the season, have you had to remind yourself at all on the sidelines during the game that you are the head coach as well and have to pay attention now when the defense is on the field and what's going on as far as clock management, as far as in the entire game is going on? I've noticed it's not uh, – it, first of all, it's a great point. And second of all, I've noticed it's not the obvious situations. You know, it's not the clock management. It's not the – you know, we can get out in front of a lot of those just by our preparation of how we want to play the game and, you know, who's on the other side uh, playing quarterback and how aggressive we want to be uh, with the end of half, end of game situations. But to me, it's those random times where I used to just grab that Surface tablet and go – you know, hunker down for four or five minutes and kind of get a look at everything we just did, get a look at what I want to call next. Um, those tend to be the times where somebody's screaming my name on the headset, uh, you know, where the heck are you? You know, maybe the defense needs a timeout or uh, it's a it's a challenge-worthy play. And that's where I've really had to adjust, and, and I think I've gotten better at it. Uh, we have great offensive coaches here that I can kind of, uh, you know, they can go to work on all that stuff, and, and I can click over and be on with the defense or special teams and, uh, maybe it's a time where we may, you know, try to apply a fake or a lot of decisions that I have to make that, uh, you know, ultimately uh, I have to be involved in, in with all, at all times. And um, it's been an adjustment for sure, having spent the entire my entire career just on that offensive side. Um, I keep joking with the uh, offensive coaches because I don't have access to that line two, you know. I, I'm only on line one on offense because then I switch over to defense and special teams. So I keep on saying, you know, they, they're they're making sure they're having all the good conversation over on line two, probably talking about all the 
terrible things I say to him during <laughs> the games. But ultimately, uh, you know, it's been an adjustment. But when you have a staff like we do and, and you can rely on those guys, I feel very strongly about my continued continued comfort level with just that head coach role. And uh, it helps to have some really good players, too. Hey, what they're saying online, too, doesn't mean shit to you, man. <laughs> no. Nope. Hey, even if they're talking <laughs> right. bad, keep it That's out of the right. brain. Let's keep the good vibes high here. How about all the other BS that kind of comes on a head coach's desk that isn't normally there for an offensive coordinator? Anything pop up on your day-to-day where you're like, I just won't coach ball? Because you hear a lot of people that become from coordinators to head coaches of the NFL. You become like a CEO of a company very quickly. There's a lot of things to deal with. Has it become too much ever? Or do you feel very comfortable at home and you feel like a head coaching role is something that you've kind of been ready for your entire career it definitely hasn't felt like too much but it's definitely something that's come up I mean those times where you're locking in on uh, okay now I feel good about where this plan's going you know you kind of the rhythm of of just watching film and kind of figuring out how you're going to play the game every week that takes time and you got to really you know let it come together and let it come to you kind of naturally just through the evolution of how you're studying tape so when you get, uh, you know, an hour here or there where you get pulled away or something comes up uh, that you got to deal with, you know, on the non-football side, that's something I've had to, you know, really make an adjustment to. And, and really how I normally end up paying for it is, is later on in the day, in the evening, kind of playing catch up a little bit or early on in the mornings. Uh, but there's enough time in the day. And um, as long as you have great people around you, I think that's a real thing. But there's no doubt I've, I've probably uh, shut my door a few more times than I have in the past. Um, throughout the day and and uh, then ignored a few knocks when I hear them. So <laughs> get the plan done. Yeah, you got to do interviews like this, and we know you're running out of time. Uh, so we appreciate you so much. Can you? Tell- I wasn't going to say it, man. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you can you tell Victor the Viking to relax too a yeah, little bit? Geez, can you tell him? On. Can you tell him he's riding this wave of success that you guys are having real high on social media, Coach? Real high. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not aware of that. But oh, oh, oh Victor. Good luck. Oh, Victor. We told Dad. Uh, anyways, everything is awesome coming out of your building. You should be incredibly proud. We can't wait to watch the rest of the season, Coach. Yeah, thank you, guys. I always enjoy getting to catch up with you. Hey, you too, man. Hopefully, we'll get to do it sometime soon, ladies and gentlemen. Coach of the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connor. Yeah. Oh. Sorry about it, Victor. Yeah. Oh. Restricted. Oh, Victor. <laughs> I hope you had fun, pal. Victor oh. stinks, dude. Well, Victor's team's burn your team. <laughs> Victor's team's burn yeah, he's your got, team. He's we'll got, see Thanksgiving. He's got nothing to do with that. He doesn't ride out on a Harley anymore. Oh. Yeah, awesome grit. Yeah, ride out on a cycle, then we'll talk. Hey, how cool is that Viking stadium, though? Just everything about it. You, This guy wanted to be a Viking for a few years. Did you? Oh, oh you son of a bitch. He, for Halloween? He was, for no, team? no, for life. No. Not, the, not the football team. Oh, okay. Remember the when show. the show Vikings Holy came out? Sure. I, was, I was trying to get on that show every week. He was. Tweeting them. It was uncomfortable. Threw my beard out to, like, here. What a Come mark. On, dude, yeah. it was uncomfortable. You would yeah. never go to Valhalla, dude. You don't have the... Yeah, there's no bald Vikings, dude. Yeah, I guess I guess I missed the mark on they the all have sweet I did hair. miss them. They do. You're no, right. but whenever we went and played there, I think. Were you on the team? were you on the Colts when we played there? Um, no, but I played there in Arizona the first year that they opened the new stadium. Yeah, so when we were going to play there, you and I chatted about it. I don't mm-hmm. remember what we talked about it. And he was talking about wait till you get this way. And then there's a boom, boom, boom. And I was like he was like, It's so cool. It is so cool, this guy talking about. It. I'm like 
Sounds like I'm talking to the Mark that fucking loves that little Vikings thing. Uh, sure. You know, it sounds like, uh, yeah. he goes, no, no, no. I mean, that is a part of it, but wait till you get there. <laughs> and I went in there, and it was... Beautiful stadium. Stadium is gorgeous. Mm, yeah. The, they, they somehow built a comfortable stadium in the middle of, like, negative 45-degree weather. Oof. So fucking cold so there. Cold, Freeze. The people that live there have a natural toughness that we will never understand uh-huh. mm-hmm. because of how cold it gets there. We were there for the Super Bowl. It was negative Coldest ever. Of all time. Yeah. But they built a comfortable stadium. It seems like the suites are very nice and the seats are very nice, but that fucker gets loud. Yeah. I love the yeah. way it goes over there. One of the coolest moments, I think I told you about this moment. This is the one you're talking about, but we were down six in the fourth quarter with, like, a minute and 45 to go. We get the ball. There's a TV timeout. And we're in the huddle. And we're back on our own 15 or something like that. And there's this wall. And they started it. And it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at this thing. And I'm like, oh, I think the ship's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're fucked right now. Hey, home field advantage matters. Like, yeah. just something like that. Everybody always talks about the noise with the get off for the offense linemen and defensive ends. Mm-hmm. And. Communication can be difficult. All that is very real. But just think about the conversation that he just had that I have had with places. Like, it's hard not to just be like, damn, like Baltimore is a place that never gets enough respect for being an environment that is difficult. The things that their fans say to people and feel comfortable saying to people, you naturally are just like, damn, this place is a different level. So if you go to a game and you can get tickets right now on SeatGeek, I think 10% off all all football tickets. Mm -hmm. I think it's 15% off at the link in our YouTube thing. If you go to a game, like know that you can affect the fucking game. Mm -hmm. You can affect the players in the game. You can affect the game itself. And I hope that that continues to be something as live events continue to move forward. Speaking of, I mean, after the booing last night, that, that ref almost cried when he had to even think about calling a flag against the Chiefs. He is all the way back. We have some breaking news as I go around the room and introduce every voice and face that you will hear and see at Boston Connor, at Ty Schmidt at the Toxic Table. One half of the hammer, Cowboys, Ten Diggs is here. Obviously, the host of In the Trenches in the Bobbled Exchange, AQ Shipley, is on stage in studio. He'll be hosting In the Trenches at about 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, just one hour in 46 minutes from now. Are you going to be able to keep the juice you're falling asleep during our interview yeah, with, no, uh, no, no, no. I was back. with Eli uh, Manning. What's your problem? I I'm not a big oatmeal fan. But I'm big. I'm, I'm going to go find that clock. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, <laughs> I don't think oatmeal is very good either. It's well, like American to, Also, to be fair, and uh, we all love Eli, but there's no better face uh, of oatmeal than Eli. All right. So, also joining us, I don't know what that means, because he eats it every day? Because he eats it every day? Yeah, exactly. Once again, remember, you can go to QuakerHungerClock.com. That's right. Unlike these terrible humans on this stage right here, you can help feed the hungry alongside Feeding America, as Quaker will match up to $250,000 in donations, totaling $500,000 in food, which will feed 5 million people. People. Unbelievable. What's I'm going to donate. I'm going to donate. What's the math on that? Well, it's six cents a meal. Okay. Yep. Can we talk to Chad, Chad Powers next time, too? Eli's great, but why isn't Chad doing the rounds for oatmeal? You think Quaker could afford Chad Powers? Not Chad. No way. Chad dude. doesn't eat oatmeal. Well, that is something also to think about because Eli ate oatmeal this morning. Yeah. I like oatmeal. Cinnamon love, apple. Yeah. yeah. Peaches also. There's a good one with peaches Instant in it. Or overnight oats? Is or? it six cents a cup of oatmeal yeah that's pretty cheap actually. dude i don't and whenever i was as i was reading it you know i was starting to put and then as he said i was starting to do the math and foxy cut to my face 
at a time I did not expect <laughs> him to cut to my face. As I was doing the math, I'm like, $500,000 feeds 5 million people. I started doing the math. I'm like, How's that work? Giving everyone well, a spoonful? What, are, what is everybody eating? It depends, because, you know, I mean, if you're having a slice of Wonder Bread with a piece of government cheese and uh, one piece of an apple, like, that's lunch. It's and better than nothing, I it's guess. It's better than nothing, and that'd sure. be about six cents. Maybe but, a glass of water as well. And I had to mention that to Eli. I said, I have donated to similar things, and they've told me how many meals I provided with the money that I donated, and almost every single time I've gone... Damn, I, I didn't know it was that good of a guy. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I don't even know how you're going to be able to figure it Joining us now from an attic in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen, a college football national champion, a philanthropist himself, yeah, a man who's donated millions of meals, I would assume. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hall. Yeah. Yeah. A.J., that math check out for you. I mean, we, we were very uh, – well, what's going on? You all right? No, the, the math, yeah, I, I've thought the same thing in the past, but no, I actually love oatmeal, so I think it's great that Eli's doing that. Me too. Yeah, Seems I like every good oatmeal. person on the stage here. Put and some walnuts in there, a little brown sugar Nothing. or something. Oh! Sounds like, like they're a hearty eating, lunch of oatmeal yeah, boiled chicken. And one walnut. I don't know if they're eating 15 <laughs> walnuts. Sounds like they're eating bologna, really. All right, listen. You're talking about a different thing. We're talking about, we're going back to you bashing oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal is no. delicious. We're not eating Funyuns and chocolate milk for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, That's a different story. <laughs> you like oatmeal, Frank? Yeah. It's all right, yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. It doesn't matter if you like if it or not. If it's the instant pack. Quaker's it's doing stage. a good thing. Quaker's feeding 5 million people with $500,000 in donations. Right. You can help them right now <laughs> at QuakerHungerClock.com. That was what, I mean, that, I was the Galifianakis gift, literally. Yeah. I, was, I was like, how do we... What does that meal mean exactly for those people, I guess? Oh, everything. Bag of air? Well, maybe one cup of oatmeal. That's what it, you're giving five million cups of oatmeal? Is that what it is? Well, Spoonful. and people need it. It's, uh, why don't you help? I, I would love <laughs> why, to. Why don't you That's help? A good point. I, I would love to. You too. Thank I'm, you. I don't I'm like gonna, oatmeal. I'm going to donate. I, I just don't eat oatmeal. I just don't eat oatmeal. Exactly. You're going to donate to the Quaker Hunger Club? I'm going I'm to go find the clock in Arizona, and yeah. then I'm going to donate. How much money? Here you we know go, what? AQ. How about? Let's, yeah, let's see. Here we go. How much money are you donating, AQ? How much money do you think you're donated huh? to the NFL for club? a long time? Yeah, he did. Long 12 time. years and his coach, Super Bowl champion. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. Illustrious career. This could be a lot of meals. I'll throw this out there. You make this shot, thousand bucks. It's a lot thousand of shit. bucks. One thousand million. That's, that's a hundred thousand meals. You should call Tom. It's a hundred thousand meals, right? Bang. Oh! Two thousand. Double or nothing. Oh, it's a football. The it's universe fo- knew you're a terrible guy. It's a football. It's they a don't football. even want you to be involved. I can't. <laughs> Hit! Bonus ball, five thousand. Oh. That's what. That's what you get. Donate nothing. Yeah. yeah. You bad Son guy. Hope bitch. you're happy. Come on. Hope you're happy. AJ, what's this guy's problem? AJ. What's this guy's problem? I know. Well, he can still donate even though you didn't hit a shot. Though. Yeah, you can still I can do donate that. even though I don't like oatmeal. He had a yogurt parfait. I, just, I eat eggs and bacon. But I'm going to donate to, to oatmeal. That, let's go. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Adrian. You're a good guy. Too. You could donate to eggs and bacon, too. I mean, if you really want. You scramble those things? Two charities? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big scrambled egg guy. Oh, put some cheese in there? A little cheese. Yeah. Some chives. You oh, can I don't touch the chives. I don't touch the chives. Well, you know I mean? I like... Dice them up. Yeah. Oh, you do. a foodie, though, right? Yeah, yeah, make you a foodie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, AQ's classic. Uh, loves every chef and how they go about doing things. Mm-hmm. He calls restaurants himself and acts like he's his agent. 
and gets into like some of the best restaurants in the world just because he has respect for the chefs, right? That's it. That's fact. genius. Now Good you, for you, man. You should go on the guys' grocery you. games. Hey, this is uh, Clark whatever. Uh, I represent Alan Quay Shipley, of the formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion, played in the NFL for 12 years, love chef insert name of chef he's his biggest fan of all time wondering if we could maybe get him a spot at the bar you know he's going to be in town tonight all alone he just wanted to come and you know say thanks to the chef and everything he's contributed to the food industry oh we let, let's we'll take a look in real quick looks like we have a spot for old alan quay oh okay but i'll let him know he'll be so happy he'll be so thankful bam let me go take a shot go. <laughs> it's a good move right it's a great move it's, it's one of the best moves of all time yeah. yeah the only thing i hope for is the person that you call and talk to is there when you get there and goes, That's the same Hold voice. On. I thought that was Clark. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hope happens someday. But nonetheless, this dude eats like the super high end, mm-hmm. like, like Brett Favre, Michelin rated. So, AQ, are you into like wine and everything too? I like wine, yeah. I like, I like doing like the, the Michelin star kind of little tasting. Yeah. Like tasting menu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're in a James Beard award winning restaurant? Oh, dude, I was just reminded. The person that's going to add into this, I apologize for forgetting this. We came back late. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, Super Bowl champion two times, formerly of the Patriots. You know him from the Dolphins as well. Currently at the Los Angeles Chargers. Big win. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Van Der. Yeah, Kyle! Kyle, I got completely lost in this conversation. This guy just bamboozles people into free seats at these high-end restaurants. Kyle, how do you feel about that move? I, I was hearing them talk about fancy restaurants, and I'm like, sign me up. I'm all about it, baby. Because, uh, we had a group of guys that went to the Marble Room in Cleveland. Fantastic. Shout out to them. They were great hospitality there. It's beautiful. Really good food. Are you a high-end? But food? before I get started, I got to say, yeah. my guy, you are killing it. The business is good. We got a new we got a new studio. Get the watch off. I see a I see AJ with a better bookshelf and fancier <laughs> cigars. Like you guys, we we're killing it. Now we we just get a chance to chat with people like you, and we're very lucky for it. And a church became available very close sure. to my house and affordable. So uh, we moved into it. We're very lucky. We're thankful though you're back joining us. What is life like as a Los Angeles Chargers for you, uh, Kyle? It feels like you know the team is there. Uh, the team on paper is incredible. Some injuries have been taking place. Get a massive win. How do you feel about being a Charger, Kyle? And what's it like as opposed to being a Patriot or a Dolphin, maybe? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a whole different vibe. You guys you guys interview coaches and the GM, so that just starts right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Respect. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's a, it's a good environment to work out. Like, I, I enjoy um, coming to work with the group of guys that we have. You know, for me, I'm in a different stage of uh, life and, you know, my football. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of a guy, a glue guy now. And so it's different for me. I started as an ass back player here where I'm like, coach, put me in the game. Get your ass back. Uh, now, that, <laughs> now that Joey went out, I'm plugged into a starting role. So, you know, it, it's it's been fun for me. It's been different. And I'm accepting my role in trying to make the most of it. And uh, I'm just trying to help these young guys uh, show up every day, show them how to be a professional, show them what it takes to win games. And it's been fun. I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy the working relationship I have with Coach Staley. It's been really fun getting to know him. 
and getting to know the other coaches in the locker room uh, or players in the locker room and the coaches and just working together. It's been good. Hell yeah. Hey, Kyle, how do they teach you to practice or tackle in practice? If they teach you to go after the quarterback, what are they doing to try to set you up for success, honestly? Like with the strike zone, how are you supposed to land? Is this something that they at least try to, I guess, come, come back to you every couple months and let you know what you're supposed to do? It's wild. It's changing every week, Kyle, it feels like. I, I know. One week they're telling you to tackle like this. Another week they're telling to tackle. Uh, you know, I think they do a good job. They They try to respect the game the coaches are always going to respect the game they're always going to um keep it real tell you how it is obviously they're going to be like man this quarterback situation right now with roughing the passer uh it's it's different <laughs> i mean it's hard i i felt for grady um in that game oh. uh, not brady grady yeah, 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 uh-huh. straight <laughs> don't feel bad for brady right um and that was just a tough play. We had a tough one in our game with Sebastian. Um, he kind of touched uh, my guy Jacoby Brissett, and we got a good flop, and they got a first down and scored on it. So uh, it's something that we talk about all the time, that strike zone is what you're saying. And you just got to go with how the game's being played. And you got to adjust sometimes in the middle of the game. You talked about us talking to your head coach and GM and that being a little bit different of an environment maybe than – from the Dolphins or from the Patriots or from where you've played in the past. When Staley goes for it on fourth and two on the own 45, us outside with the other team having no timeouts, us on the outside have been around football a long time. I assume you too go, what, what, what are we doing? Now, I assume there's a conversation that has taken place behind closed doors with Staley about the mentality and what we're going to do so the team understands it a little bit more. You, as an old guy who's won a lot of games, you know, and has transitioned through eras of football, we're in a much more analytic stage where, you know, the percentages of making plays are kind of calculated more in your decision-making on fourth downs and everything like that. What is your initial thought when you see that? Do you talk to Coach Daly, who you say you're close to, and be like, hey, why do you do that? Do you try to dig into his mind and understand it? Or are you like, if he says it, let's do it? What is your mindset towards that? That type of stuff because we know the NFL is the men's league for a reason. That's a great question. That you know, that's a great question, honestly, because I've been thinking about it a lot. Because I knew you were going to ask me this today. You know, I I am kind of still traditional and you know, pun it, whatever. But I kind of like this go for it fourth down. Like it's kind of the nature of our team. Where we got an aggressive group. Um, I mean, Jay Herbo's playing lights out right now, banged up. Like, it's impressive. Uh, they had, you know, they were killing it on offense. And, you know, he was just trying to end the game. And, you know, a lot of people can say whatever they want. But the week before, he did it against the Houston Texans and no one said nothing, right, because yeah. we got it. And so I tweeted out, you know, are you guys keeping that same energy if we did get it? Are people – criticizing the call if we did get it and to me it doesn't matter shoulda woulda coulda we ended up winning the game so (laughs) it is what it is uh whether you like it or not we ended up winning he believed in our defense to get the job done we ended up uh getting the job done and winning yeah i think it's it's just so interesting especially because you because you're an old man now 
You know, we see that beard. It's growing. I'm seasoned. I'm seasoned. Yeah, I'm yeah, seasoned. seasoned, seasoned. You've gotten better. You're seasoned. You're only getting better, smarter, and wiser and everything like that. But, like, you're one of the people on that team that we can talk about because when you came into the league, much different era when it came to all this shit. Now it's at a completely different level. I love to hear the fact that you're like, you know, I'm a traditional guy, but also – We've always dreamt of a coach that'd be like, "Yeah, we're going for it." Yeah, we're yeah. I mean, yeah, we're doing. You got to think. A lot of coaches, when they get this this spot, sometimes they're not aggressive enough. You know, a lot of people were scared. They're scared. Yeah, I'm not. uh, I'm not going after the coach by any means. But a lot of people went after Hackett in the first. I believe the first game with the you know giving it into your quarterback's hand and yada 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 and they were mad at that right yeah so it's like how do you want to go down with your ship do you want to go down swinging or do you want to go back and be conservative you never you know you we could play this game all day but we know this business you guys know this business it's very the turnover's crazy i mean matt rule just got <laughs> fired and 40Ms, you know, like the turnover is fast. How do you want to go out? Do you want to go out swinging or do you want to go out, you know, traditional way? I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm, I think you're trying to see where I'm coming from. Yeah, I respect it a lot because to your point about coaches, there's a lot of coaches that say, hey, we're going to empty every bullet in the chamber. And then you get to the game and it's like, nah, kind of scared to pull the trigger. It seems to be yeah. kind of just kind of cover your own ass. Staley does not have that at all. It, it feels like mm-hmm. he's like, we got it, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We got this play, we're doing Yep, 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 yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is big ball Staley. It's literally the internet calls him that. It's real. And I think that is a trait that you definitely want to see in a coach. But there's some situations where I'm just befuddled. But once again, I'm old at this point, seasoned at this point. Mm-hmm. Ty, your question for Kyle Van Noy. Kyle, everyone knows the NFL is, you know, the next man up mentality. And you guys are obviously very deep and have plenty of good guys. But does it ever get disheartening when you like you guys have all this top end talent and for whatever reason you kind of just get hit with the injury bug? I mean, I know that's part of the league, but it's like you see all these Pro Bowl caliber guys that you have that are going down and you're losing them for long periods of time. Like, does that ever get disheartening or is it one of those things where, you know, it, it is next man up? So you don't really have any time to even think about it. Yeah, I mean, to sit here and say, I wouldn't go disheartening because that's a little far, but it's more of like you work, you work so hard together, you get kind of a rhythm. You know, we, Joey Bosa, myself, Khalil Mack, we're very close. We got very close fast. Um, so it was kind of a bummer for him to go down. Um, and he's not out. He's coming back this season, which is awesome. But – you know, you're bummed out for those guys, but then it gives your other young boys opportunity, like Chris Rump, uh, who's rushing the passer really well. Uh, gives myself more opportunities to get on the field. Um, you know, I, I was playing off the ball, now I'm playing on the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, Jamari uh, going in for Slater has done a, an incredible job, and they, you know, he, they got him in the sixth round, so. The third floor is pumped about that to see him, you know, going crazy. And and it is a next man mentality up. But at the same time, you do feel for those players because you have 17 chances to get. And when you when you're out, it sucks. It's not fun. And you feel for players all across the league, Um, not just because you know how hard it takes to play in the game, play, get ready for games and play. Hey. You look super cool in those sunglasses. Yeah. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. It's L.A., baby. Come yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Is it the bright lights of L.A.? Got the sunglasses? Last question for you here from your old friend, Boston Connor, from Boston, not from L.A. No sunglasses on, but a great mullet, it looks like. Oh, yeah, Kyle, yeah. we miss you over in New England. But uh, going off no, you, what No, AJ, you don't. What's yeah, that all about, do. Kyle? Whoa. Yeah, we do. The fans do. Kyle, oh, okay. okay? Okay, I respect that. All right. Jeez, he kind of... Yeah, I know. I was like, hey, I was just trying to say, you know, we miss you. And he said, no. I miss my people, though. I really do. Um, I have a special bond with that place. They were really good to me. Um, The young players that um, I ended up getting fired for playing really good ball. They held the the Lions to zero points. Like, they're rolling on defense. My guy, Red Sleeves Judon, is stepping up and is the leader. Um, of that defense now and Kyle Kyle Duggar who I think is incredible I think he's the next one in the secondary Uh, he is that guy I mean I'm props to Bill he always finds a way to get it done man it's impressive hell yeah he does and he's created a bunch of incredibly loud and arrogant and Uh confident fans and we are very lucky (laughs) to have one of them every single day at Boston Connor yeah absolutely I I feel like I don't even have to ask you a question after that great answer but AJ AJ, no I still will AJ asked you about you know how are you guys told to tackle these quarterbacks or some of these calls how aware are you are of like different types of referees who are refing your games like do you know that you you might be going to a game where there are certain refs who might throw more flags on a rough in the passer or a holding or that type of thing. Yeah, that's something that you talk about. You get the reports of what the officials throwing the highest, what you know, their crew, whether it's an all star crew or their crew that they do in the regular season, you get the report of what they're um what they throw as a group, what their big um, emphasis is, whether it's on special teams, whether it's um, DPI, uh, holding, whatever it is. You know, there's all sorts of flags, right, that can be called. Um, And you do know. So uh, you got to do business how business is being done. And you got to go how the game is being called. Like in our game, they weren't calling one holding calls. So you had the offensive linemen. They were loving life, right? Yeah, <laughs> so hell yeah. It's just you got to you gotta adjust during the game. And it's something you talk about on the sideline and keep it moving. Hey, Kyle, have a great rest of the year, pal. We appreciate you joining us. You look awesome. You look cool. You sound in great spirits. We appreciate you so much, man. Yeah, thanks. Hey, again, it's always a pleasure to come on the show. I hope one day you keep a seat warm for me. Um, I also think, too, something I admire about you, Pat, that doesn't get enough credit. It's something I admire about LeBron James as he takes care of his people. What you've done for so many people, the the crew that you have, that you're so tight-knit, bro. I I salute you for that. I, I envy that. That's something that I wish I could do. Maybe one day, you know, get a, a a group around me like you have. I just want to say salute to you for that. That's respect, man. Kyle, thank you so much for that. I'm very lucky to have this crew, and you will do it much better than we do it whenever you decide to hang them up. You've had too long of a career to start it yet. <laughs> You'll be doing it soon. Thank you for that. You're a fucking man. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Kyle Van Noy. So... Thank you to Kyle, friend of the program. Can't wait for him to join us here in the FanDuel Thunderdome. Whenever he gets here, it's going to be fantastic. I think he's a gamer, too. we got some rooms that are being built to be set up to do all that stuff. Yeah, dude. Billion dollars on Twitch. A hundred million million 
people. It's actually. I think it's gone up. Now. It's gone up. Yeah, yeah oh, of course yeah. it has. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, big thanks to Kyle, man. Happy yeah. he's, uh, yeah. you know, happy it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Fulfilled. With that being said, AJ was not able to hear a single word that Cal Van Noy said that entire interview. So at the very end of it, while Cal Van Noy is giving his last answer to Connor, I texted AJ to ask a question about which refs, you know, going into games do you know about? <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Damn yeah, it. Because we would have obviously gone, AJ just asked hey, that. Oh, oh, up. But AJ could hear what Connor asked. Yeah. So yeah. whenever I pointed at AJ, right, after I sent the text while Kyle's full screen, Send a text to AJ. I pointed AJ for him to go next, and AJ goes, no. I start dying laughing because you knew I was trying to fucking say, yeah, I respect that. Good. Hey, that's big brain stuff by you over there, AJ, in the middle of some chaos, pal. I tell you what, though, I didn't want to derail it, so trying to, like, nod my head and laugh when I thought things were supposed to be funny, <laughs> I was acting that whole time. I was trying, oh, mm, oh, interesting. I, I can hear you guys beautifully, just not him. It was a great interview. So yeah. you, were, you were laughing if we would laugh? Yeah. You yeah, I don't want to laugh like if he was saying something really terrible, too. Like I tried to gauge off of you guys. <laughs> so whenever I heard somebody pop, I did hear you immediately afterwards go, huh? Uh, <laughs> so I was, like, I was like thinking for you, like, oh, AJ's listening to what we're doing, trying to react. That's amazing. Ah, uh, fuck. I wish, I wish I would have been able to properly word that to you to ask a question that's already been answered by him so we could have just went crazy. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, come on, AJ. You're listening to the same conversation. We got to get that figured out. I'm sure we will. Who knows which end it was on? Hopefully, that gets fixed up by the next hour where Aaron Rodgers will be joining us. Uh, I think the right thing to do right now would be to ask AJ Hawk about his thoughts about Monday Night Football. Here we yeah. go. Because we talked to Eli, Chad Powers about this, Kevin O'Connell about a lot of things, Kyle Van Noy now. We haven't had an opportunity to really dive into your big Ohio cranium about last night. Last night's game was certainly a fascinating one because we were staring down a potential boar fest in the NFL primetime slate. It has been going on since last Thursday stunk, Sunday stunk. What right. are we going to do on right. Monday? Staring down Commander's Bears mm. on Thursday. Is primetime NFL falling off? Chiefs Raiders felt like the right teams to be in there to kind of give the NFL NFL a boost. They showed up. Travis Kelsey scores four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes does his thing. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams proved to be a great tandem. Josh Jacobs running rude. What was your takeaway from the game, AJ? And what did you learn from those two teams, you think? I mean, I think the, the Raiders, I don't know what they are exactly, but they had a great chance to beat the Chiefs, obviously. And, and they, they played well in the first half, I guess, enough to do it. But the Chiefs are the Chiefs. What, Kelsey has 25 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. But Chris Jones, that's the whole talk, right? His that play, the the roughing the passer. I thought how he braced himself. Who was the who's the ref that, that chimes in who comes on for the broadcast? John John, John Perry. Perry. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a good job saying how his left arm tried to brace and not land all yeah. of his body weight on him as he's stripping the ball. Like what an unbelievable like what a just such an athletic play by a big old dude too. So right? what is he supposed to do? He he's supposed to let that ball fall so he can catch himself better. He's not supposed he to. He caught get, himself yeah. though. That's when I first I was like, no, this dude legit in the moment was putting that left hand out. He, I think he was trying to stay up. I think he was trying to stay up so he could maybe go run that thing, which is... And I think he knew, too, though. Like, I can't land my body on this dude. I'm a big dude. It Mm -hmm. looks worse than it would be if someone else landed on him. So, like, he tries to brace himself and go score. Like, what an unbelievable play and another terrible call. 325 pounds. But what was the right answer there? Just from... If we're to ask the ref, like... And I know the ref stood by what he was saying. So, as he strips that ball and it's loose... He's supposed to say, no, not my ball. I strip ball. I won't get ball. Then he's supposed to just completely brace for contact with the ground so he doesn't land 
on Derek Carr? Like, what is the right answer? There's no right answer because Derek Carr was in the throwing posture that he said. Like, I don't understand how. Yeah, we, I guess, yeah, that's the thing. What? Okay, sir, what can I do differently to where I won't get penalized next time for this play? Let the ball go. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. Sure. Don't get the ball because the reason why he wasn't able to brace with two hands is because he had ball on Duke or mm-hmm. hand on Duke. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand what the right answer was there. And then what if the ref goes, well, in this particular situation, it appears as if Chris Jones is fucked. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's sorry about it. Made too good of a play. That's like that. How, what is the right answer then? What is Chris supposed to do? Don't hit him. Don't even. Hey, just quit yeah, on the play. Seriously. I don't know. Like you made an unbelievable play. You beat an offensive lineman. You get in there. You make a gigantic play, and they take it away from you. So yeah. I don't know. They don't have an answer for us. That's the problem. Yeah, you beat an offensive lineman off. That's right. Then yeah. you get around him. <laughs> then he come right inside the pocket. Yep. Jerk yep. cars ball. Boom, and then you brace yourself with one hand to kind of plank it on. So, I mean, I don't know what he's supposed to do, AJ. He could have hurt himself trying to brace himself, yeah. too. Like, if his hand is weird, like, he could pop that wrist, anything. Elbow, yeah, dislocate, all that stuff. Because it looks, you run that thing again, it looks like it gets pretty flattened out, which yeah. is not good. I like that they're on grass, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good grass. I don't know if it's super grass. but He didn't land on him, really, though. He With that left arm bracing, he took almost all of his weight off of my field. And how about him saying, I'm 325 pounds. What what do you want me to do? AQ, you're an offensive lineman, so obviously you're a reason why this rule exists. What what would you say to old Jonesy and what he's supposed to do once that ball comes out, AQ? Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, we turned you off because you were... AJ could hear that. He could hear that. Mouth, mouth breather? No, no. You were just breathing, I think, and it was sitting right on Itching your scalp, too. Yeah, I think there was a Which chance. Which is weird. You thought your cardio would be better being in that gym with Jay, but who knows? <laughs> You're in that fight oh, team. Yeah, here we go. Glazer's just, you know, giving him the <laughs> runaround, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought the whole purpose of, <laughs> of, of that whole rule getting instituted was to avoid the old where you'd lift them up and then pile drive, right? Like, that is a That's how you were tackle. coached. That's how you used to be coached to tackle the quarterback. Yeah, right. you land so, on. so they make the rule and say, this, what you were taught cannot happen uh-huh. anymore. So much so we're making it a 15-yard penalty and ruining it. Trying to change the culture, I think, of that particular tackle. Like, let's get this completely out of there. I don't know what he's supposed to do. I, I mean, that was a clean tackle, right? Like, I mean, he even took him high. And then, not, like, just to further on your guys' point about his hand being down there, like, God forbid, when his hand's braced, that left tackle gets bull rushed and falls into it, and his arm is snapped in half because he's trying to brace against a completely legal play. I don't know what he was supposed to do. That, no. that, that's the next question. Like, if you're talking. They don't have the answers. That's the problem. Like, when you present problems or issues and you don't have a solution, like, is there a solution to this? Do we know anything of what they could say? Could they clarify this? Oh, you're saying the people that point out problems but have no clue about a solution. Those are really. Yeah, but John Taffer is about solutions. He's not about problems. Hell right. Yeah. And also the flow of the room. Yeah. We need to mm-hmm. come yeah, in. Butt funnel. Right. Got to make that butt funnel. Well, well and you also the need the, the IPS system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. New point POS, POS system. Yep. Uh, system, of course. Need to keep it clean too. Yeah, let's not walk by a mess fucking five times. Plus, you can't foolish. be getting hammered as a bartender or owner at your own fucking. Place. Well, and also if you're a bartender and you're giving away uh, extra things, so your tip is bigger. Get yep. your intern stealing yep. from yep. the ownership. Fire his that. ass right now. And the POS system with the bottle weigher tell tells us that. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. you're a piece of shit. You're yeah. stealing from the owner. Exactly. You're a hero in this place, right? Stealing from this. Get the fuck Fire out. Fire ass now. Do you, it. You can't be drunk here all the time. Why don't you give away the? You're out of here mm-hmm. but you're right solutions are what we're looking for and i don't know if we'll ever get them from any of these refs ever because i think they have to stand by their calls i think they have to act as if because it, it's a subjective call so he was the only person that believed 
that that was rough in the passer in the entire universe, I believe. In the entire universe, <laughs> I believe. That. Pereira tweeted about being at, at a the bar, bar with Chiefs fans. Pereira's drinking Tito's, yep. <laughs> getting yelled at by Chiefs fans, and he says, I don't blame him. Normally, he'll come out and be like, well, well the ref saw this. Yeah. And, you know, John Perry, I think he does a good job of sticking up for the refs all the time. You know, all the time. It's mm-hmm. And by good yeah. job, I mean, hey, let's be a human here, too. Right. You're being brought in to kind of break it down for us, not be a tag team partner of the fuckery that's going on on the field. You're with the TV now. I understand you got to stick up for your refs because you guys are refs in a fraternity and everything like that. But I feel like that type of attitude, and nobody wants to be refs. So let's like, I don't want to be a ref. Nope. AJ doesn't want to be a ref. Nope. Nobody wants to be a ref. It's a hard job. It's a thankless job. You have no fans. Nobody's showing up at a game for you. Okay, and if they are cheering for you, it means you fucked up mm-hmm. for the other team. They hate you. It's just, it's not a fun job. We understand that. But a necessity, and people do want that type of power over games, and they want that type of control in situations. So we appreciate the people that do that. With that being said, I wish they were humans. You know, like, I wish that guy was shown the replay, and I wish he would have said, yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, never mind. Like after the game, you mean? Yeah, as opposed to... Well, it was a throwing. Yeah, he caution. doubled down. He doubled down, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah. the Belger. Like, yeah. What about though? Like, what about the fact that he? Do they not think he was trying to brace himself? I feel like with that left arm going down right there, you'd be like, all right. First off, he didn't land on him, and he was actively trying to not land on him. Our so guy why Drew, would I throw this flag? Our guy Drew Brees posted that he thinks that roughing the passer should be reviewable. Yes. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, Just like, I, I guess. An expedited one. They talked about it last night. An expedited review. They're picking up the thing. They're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You can say would that have been expedited though? Would that one like stuff like that though? They're going to look at that for be. a while. I feel like because they might have differing opinions. I think that's what the review process should be. It should be an expedited review. Every review should be an expedited. Which they had one. Remember, they had a quick one last, last night. night. I think yeah. John jumped on and said, "This is a, this is a great thing they're doing. They're already they, they know it's a, it's an easy call. Boom, here we go." Every review should be that. Every review should be yeah. that. You should train former players, mm. give them a job that are younger, yeah. pretty good with tech, and say, "Hey." You're making the calls. You got a quick review. You only have fucking 10 seconds. If you can't figure it out 10, 15 seconds, guess what? Probably not enough. Mm-hmm. Not sufficient to turn up. But if you can, let's do it. Let's move along. So then people don't hate the review because it slows down the game. It does this. It's like it doesn't have. I feel like it doesn't have to be. Let's get 90-year-olds off the fucking screens. Yeah. And let's get some other people in there and just be like, hey, if you can't figure it out in 20 seconds... It's not figured out. Like, just move on. I, I think that's something that should happen, personally. I thought, yeah, and, it, and something that coaches could throw the challenge flag for something like that, then? Well, I think challenge flag, I think that is, you can take a, because they want to sell. <laughs> the challenge flag's getting sold. There's a commercial break coming. Yeah, that's right. It's a full, like, oh, look what we got. It's, challenge. it's a full, the refs run to each side. It's like a full spectacle. But I think for a lot of things, like, uh, you know, if you spot the ball in the wrong place, mm-hmm. and it's clear, on review, clear. Like, we don't need the whole song and fucking dance. Just somebody should go down. Hey, that's, that is a first down, actually. And the ref should say, uh, it was looked at, and we are correcting it. It was a first down, and then just move on. But I think what happens is all those refs take it as a shot. Like, oh, this, you think you're smarter than me? You see it differently? It's like, hey, put your egos aside, okay? I understand you have to have an ego to be in that position of power and to be ruling over games, and you have to have an ego to walk into a stadium knowing that all these people are potentially going to hate you by the end of this thing if you do your job. I understand you have to have a little bit of an ego to be a referee. I understand that. I appreciate it. It is a trait, a character trait that you have to have. 
But you should feel okay if the tech is able to help you. You should feel more open to make calls. Like, I think mm -hmm. you should be able to be like, this is where I had it at. And then if there's 10 seconds, it's like, ah, actually, you're off two yards. It's like, well, I don't know how that happened, but all right, let's okay. move on. Thank you for the help. Let's move on. Because this ref has to double down now afterwards. Could have been fixed. Could have e easily been fixed in review. Go down. This ref now has to live with this, walk out of the stadium with that, when I think a very quick review would have been like, well, he actually did try to brace himself. He had the ball. There's nothing else he could do. This is Chiefs ball first down going the other way. You know what I mean? Like, that's the shit, I think. You know, that's yeah, the shit. Yeah, I, I used to talk to refs all the time when they would be reviewing a play or they're, they're looking at it, and I would ask about it. A lot of the good refs, I'd be like, man, you probably – you hate this, right? If they're gonna, are they going to overrule this or what's going to happen? Like, do you care either way or what do you think? And all the good refs would be like, I, we just want to get the call right. Like, that's that's, what that's all we care you. about. I'm like, well, I don't know if I believe you, but that is the right mindset to have. Yeah, that is the right mindset to have, but they know that's the right mindset to have, and most of them probably don't have it. So they say publicly yeah, that right. that's the thing. You know what I mean? That's oh, they what, probably all mess with each other. Like, oh, you've had nine calls overturned in the last three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like Exactly, and I think they take it as a shot. It's not a shot, dude. It's like your it's eyes aren't as good as the it 8K should free you camera. Up. You're right. It should free you up to feel like, hey, I can't really make mistakes because I always have someone backing me up here. There's, there's an 8K camera that they can slow down to like fucking, what, 20, 40 mm -hmm. frames a second where we can mm -hmm. see exactly. Like your eyes can't do that. There's things that the eyes can do that cameras can't do, but for some calls, it is much easier for us just to look at and be like, uh, the intent wasn't that. He tried to brace himself. It's actually first down for the Chiefs. And the ref can just pick that thing up. They did it last night. They picked up a flag. Yeah. No flag on this. Put it back in the pocket. Be like, first down for the Chiefs. Uh, and then just move on. And then, yeah, why don't they do that? What, 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 why not? Is it because execution? They're not a, they don't think they'll it's be able to. Yeah, that's right. You talk, they talk about it. It's because that, the disaster that was the pass interference situation, when they could review that, because that was terrible, they're like, oh, we can't do this again. But it wasn't. The no. theory wasn't terrible. Yeah, it was perfect. It was the execution. A lot of terrible. things are great in theory, but you have to have the right people mm. to execute them. Yeah. Are they scared? In that theory, there's so many awesome things. Great ideas on paper. Like, yeah. for instance, Saturday night, our megacast, oh. ESPN2, mm -hmm. Clemson, Florida State, 730. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. We'll be live in the FanDuel Thunderdome. In theory... We can set up some incredible trick shots. In theory. Outside the Thunderdome. That's right. In theory, we'll be able to do that. Now, will we be able to execute it? DBD. Time will tell. Got to find DVD. out. We have, a, I think, a special guest coming that is worthy oh. of watching for. You know what I mean? Oh, in person. Oh, yeah. I think so. It's going down in DMs right now. I've not gotten an official answer, but the way Chris that Angel? <gasps> oh. It's actually. Did I spoil it? He did no, go to he's got shows on Saturday. He does. Yeah, he does. There's no way he's going to be able. He's got a sold out theater out there in Vegas. Mm -hmm. It's not hey. Chris Angel. You can you can take Chris Angel off the list. Okay, but he might just appear. You never know. He's a magician. I have not got a response. So we're yeah. not completely confirmed on who this, but believe me, worth a watch. Hundred mm -hmm. percent in the football world. Yeah, I don't want to get too many people too excited here. Yeah, right. But it's going to be sick. And some of the shit that we're trying to, in theory, set up. Oh. In theory. Yeah. In theory, it will be worth a watch. In theory, it'll be worth it. To your point, in theory, wires have been connected mm -hmm. Hell yeah. to pull off what we're looking to pull off. That's right. With that being said, 
Last time we were in the middle of the show and the whole thing just collapsed. That is true. So in theory, that wasn't supposed to happen ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into all of it. So I understand your point. Execution is king. But to the review process, Connor, I believe you were going to add on something. There. Yeah, do they? Because I honestly can't think of like a legitimate reason on why they wouldn't want to do it. And they obviously can't do what they first thought and kind of hold it to a different standard. But is their thinking more so like, hey, if we you know, go to review every single rough in the passer. Are people going to want them want to go and review every holding? And I think everything review. should be reviewable. Yeah, I do too. Like but. the XFL had it, I thought. Didn't you? Like the XFL had it. The Xbox. Xbox controller, former players. Mm -hmm. I think they're all former players. They were taught what the rule, they had to go through an entire cert certification thing. They had every camera angle available to them. It wasn't just the TV people picking which one they're seeing. And he was in a booth in the building direct ear to the ref, run the thing on slow-mo. Uh, actually, that was a fumble on the 24. Ball's out. They got it. Boom. Right down. Right. We heard it all. You know, it's very transparent. We heard what that person was saying, why that person was saying. There was a camera over the shoulder mm -hmm. showing what they were looking at, uh -huh. why they were saying what they were saying. I don't know if the NFL would ever be that transparent with it all, but that process could easily be duplicated and correct a lot of things. Holdings on every single play, I guess, to your point. So I'm not sure. Is there just egregious ones that get called, or do you guys What if just there's not, though? What if, there's, what if someone, what if Chris Jones makes that hit last night and they don't throw the flag? Is it reviewable to try to see if it is? Roughing the passer then? No, nah, I think it has to be called on the field. Yeah. Otherwise, that's that. Could the other coach challenge it? Like, hey, this is roughing the passer and throw a flag? Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting. Because then what is it? Then they have to go into the bylaws of how it's exactly written out. Yeah. yeah. And then would they just change the call, like on the pass interference one? Could some teams say, like, oh, well, it was pass interference. It was a legal contact or a holding? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, right. Pass interference, vastly different than. I mean, pass interference is. Late in, the, late in the season here with the go back through, and we mm -hmm. saw a couple last night. Yeah. And well, in the Ravens-Bengals as well. There's going to be – yeah, there's a big one. There's yeah. going to be games that are very late that are playoff implications. Yeah. That there's going to be a 55-yard penalty that's going to happen, and we're all going to be pissed off about it. And it's going to be like, we can't review it. You know why? Because some old didn't know how to operate the entire review process, and they held it to a higher standard than it was on the field. When everybody on earth knew something was either right or wrong, the NFL was somehow going the opposite direction. It's like, I don't think in theory that's the problem. I think it's just execution. we got to keep beating that drum. Let's continue to move around. Ron Rivera gave an interesting answer to a question uh, just yesterday in his press conference. And we have the entire video, and we would like to play it now because I don't want to elude any narrative-building things before this. No. Ron Rivera chatted with the media yesterday. Mm -hmm. He was asked a question. He gave a one-word answer. Then there was a give-and-take that is worthy of a listen. Here's Washington Commodore. Uh, head coach Ron Rivera nailed it. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. Is that? I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able. To well, they win. started with well, they, well, they started, started with, with him, Dak, but and they built around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. You chose the quarterback here, though, so do you have any regrets about that, or how do you? No, I got no regrets about their quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled. Um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, 
and you would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, um, very solid. And then, um, and, you know, we had the unfortunate <laughs> Philadelphia game, and he struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you, you know, what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. Interesting answer there from Ron Rivera, who's former player. AJ, your thoughts immediately following hearing that particular give and take from reporter who had some great follow-ups. You're the one who picked him, right? Aren't you guys the ones that did that? That's an interesting question, but what is your take on Ron Rivera there? I mean, I'm kind of with Alex Smith here, and Alex Smith had a little rant talking about how he what drove the bus over Carson Wentz, it sounds like. He backed it up over him. When it's true, like it is a full team situation, but I guess Ron Rivera, we, we blame coaches that are speaking cliche and are not honest. At least you have to respect that he feel. I feel like Ron Rivera's being pretty honest. He's not super happy with the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that the head coach cannot bury the quarterback. I'm a firm believer no. that the GM can't bury the quarterback. Can't bury anybody publicly. You can handle that behind closed doors. To your point, though, he gave a very honest answer, I think, at the beginning, and then towards the end there, he had to walk back. I think he realized what he said. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, yeah. I just threw our guy right directly under the bus. And then he said, you know, struggling in this game, struggling in this game. You look at his numbers, you can see, like, what he is. Okay. But this this is continuing to be kind of a, a thing here. Now, Commanders fans are going to say that I say stuff about Carson Wentz, and I do. The thing that I say about Carson's, uh, Carson Wentz is I'm happy he's not our quarterback anymore. I'm happy that my Sunday's happiness isn't dependent upon Carson Wentz playing quarterback well for the team that I am openly rooting for on a daily basis because they paid me millions and millions of dollars to kick a ball, and I was grossly overpaid, and I appreciate them for that. Him going to the Commanders was something that I thought was going to be a success story for him and for the Commanders. He had a chance to maybe learn from what happened in Philly, what happened in Indianapolis, where they weren't just saying on-the-field stuff, in which he was incredibly reckless with the ball. Let's not get crazy. Had great moments with the Colts and with the Eagles. Has the potential to be an incredible quarterback. But everything around Indy was alluding to the fact about off the field. You know, like in the locker room, was he the guy that we wanted a quarterback that we paid $30 million? Is he an NFL franchise quarterback with the way he handles himself around the team, around the coaches, day in, day out? That was a lot of the shit that was getting leaked out of Indianapolis. I'm not saying I saw it. I did not. I'm just saying that's what was talked about. So I wonder if that is also going into what Ron Rivera is saying. Like, hey, why is your team like that? Quarterback? It's like, well, fuck. You just threw a guy. It would have to be. That's what I took it. I took it as that. Like, if he... Loved everything Carson was doing except for, like, what was happening on the field. Like, hey, we just got to get him, like, get him in the best position so he can play well. And, like, I love this dude. I, I love his, his approach, how he leads this squad. That's, that's an answer that we didn't get from Ron Rivera. Like, it sounds like to me, like, yeah, we're evaluating everything, and we don't know what we're going to do at quarterback. Yeah, and we, we heard a lot of similar mm-hmm. shit out of Indy last year. Now, we're not yeah. saying that Carson Wentz can't What change. is it, though? What, what did we hear, though? No like, idea. what is Car- Is he, like, aloof? What is it? I have no idea. Well, what is it? October 11th? Hunting season just started. Boom. That guy's not sure. even fucking. He's there for practice, and then boom, he's <laughs> he's calling the mallards in the fields. He's you know moving gravel with his bobcat. Ruffle gravel. I think he loves football, but I don't. I think he does too. I don't think he gives a shit whether they win or lose. Like I don't think that is like affecting his happiness off the field at all because he's got hunting season. Mm-hmm. He's got his bobcat gear. Bless. He's a god fearing man. He's got you know. He's got Jesus. He's got church on Sunday. No, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. There's no, nothing no. wrong with all that stuff. But I don't think if if it isn't ripping your heart out, like when you lose, I don't think you're ever winning a Super Bowl with that guy. I think so. I, I think, you know, the 
the ball is the program. Sure. Okay? Everywhere I've ever played football, every coach that I've ever heard talk about football, and I was very lucky to be dropped into the football culture basically in college and ride the coattails of a lot of people and listen to a lot of football smarts and hang around some of the greatest to ever do it in the game. This is the thing that matters. And for me, my only issue with Carson is it seems as if he does not give a fuck about this thing at all. He'll put it in jeopardy all the time. Whether it's throwing, running, he'll balance the ball off the ground, he'll fumble it. He just doesn't give a fuck about the program because I think he is loose. Like, I think that is the style of play. He's like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to do my thing. But every time he's talked about by people that are in the building with him, it doesn't sound like it's just a football thing. It's like, this is not what we thought we were getting at NFL quarterback. AQ, I'll ask you, because you've been around a lot of quarterbacks, yeah. a lot of great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Arsene right. Palmer, right. Michael Vick, right. Tyler Murray, right. Right. Seven. Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You've been around a lot of quarterbacks. Off the field, I think it is important for your trigger man to be a leader. Like, we go as the quarterback goes. The quarterback sets the tone for a lot of the teams, like any of the good teams, the quarterback's the guy. Is that what this is all about, you think, from Ron Rivera? Because that is not a cool thing to do as a head coach of a football team going into week six uh, to your quarterback, I think, personally. It's a quarterback-driven league, like you said. I was 100% on board with Ron Rivera's comments on what he said. Having said that, you cannot fucking say that. <laughs> you cannot say that. Like, every player in that locker room now is sitting there like... Uh, so Ron feels the same way we yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, Ron, yep. when Ron walks into a team meeting and goes, our quarterback's going to make the right decision for us, we know that, we have absolute faith in that guy. In the secondary, who's been watching what he's been doing, is like, Ron doesn't believe that. Bullshit. Nope. Ron, we literally just... Rod. We heard you, Ron. You sat. You did the leg cross thing, yeah. even well, in the middle. You even did it. We, we now they're going to ask the players, though. They're going to ask guys on uh-huh. offense. Well, what do you think? Is the quarterback the problem with this offense? Like now, the players going to have to answer for stuff yeah. that their head coach said. And it's a shame that that is the real world. But you give an actual answer. You kind of lend an eye into what it's like behind the curtain. Now people are even more intrigued, especially in D.C. If the commanders continue to stink, I mean, can't say it. I don't think about your trigger man publicly, but I do believe this is something that has been said about Carson here. Yeah, multiple times. You know, a couple times. Joining us right now, not only the college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, A.J. Hawk, but the man who's the back-to-back NFL MVP, four-time in total, three-and-two Packers quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Hey! What's up, dude? Hey, guys. Are we uh, audio good today? I think so. You sound good. I think AJ can hear everybody. AJ, can you hear Aaron? Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. Let's go, dude. Thank you, Z. Appreciate you, Z. Aaron, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Turns out you get into a multi-million dollar new studio, you're going to still get shit fucked up every day, basically, it seems like, Aaron. Chaos theory, my friend. Oh, I'll look into that. Hopefully that's in the next book of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club 2.0. Let's dive into it. Uh, Let's chit-chat about this past weekend. How was the London trip? What was your... Aside from the game, did you enjoy going to London? Did you enjoy the fact that it seemed like there's a lot of Packers fans over there leading up to the game? Did you enjoy the London experience, Aaron? Yeah, I had a blast. It was incredible. Uh, I, again, I wish we could have had a few more days, but we landed and tried to stay awake the entire day. So Alan and I and uh, Adam, our nutritionist, decided to head over to Wembley, which was incredible, and watch uh, our U.S. women's national team against the uh, 
reigning uh, Europe Euro champion, uh, US, or, uh, English women's national team. Lady Lions. Great, great game. Uh, and we got to go down to the field. And the pitch is incredible. Oh. The stadium. I mean, it was rocking, too. There was, it was, I don't know how many thousands of fans, but I think it was a sellout in like 24 hours. And got to watch the game with the many of the cast of Ted Lasso, which is a favorite show of mine, which was a lot of fun. Have a nice little Friday. Saturday relaxed a little bit more, but I tell you, the fans were incredible. Uh, big shout out to all the fans I got to interact with who are fans of this show, which is incredible. Not just fans of yourself, uh, AJ a little bit. Uh, big fans of Ty, of course. Hell yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. And uh, big fans of the book club as well. Really? Uh, yeah, I took a picture with a guy who had the art of contemplation actually in his hand. He wanted to, he's like, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a book club fan, but there was a lot of book club comments, a lot of comments about, Hey, I watch you on Tuesdays with Pat. So big shout out to all those fans, but the fans were incredible there. I mean, it was 70, 30, probably Packers fans, at least, uh, maybe not 70, 30, maybe it was like 70, 15 and then 15 who didn't really care and just wore with the Jersey, their favorite team or whatever. But, uh, but it was awesome. Great experience other than, uh, you know, the outcome of the game. But something that uh, was really fun for all of us. We stayed at this place called The Grove, which is near Watford. Excellent hospitality. The food was outstanding. The rooms are great. Uh, beautiful scenery. So, I, I mean, everything was uh, first class uh, all the way. So, uh, we all, I think, had a good time. A lot of guys, like I said, afterwards, first time leaving North America. So, that was cool for them. Um, I thought we handled the time change pretty well. Yeah, I was about to ask. That's early. 9.30 kickoff here in America. You leave on Thursday. How does the body get ready for that? I guess you just hang out with Ted Lasso all day? That's kind of how you get used yeah, to it? Yeah, well, you just try, try and, uh, you know, sleep on the plane on the way over wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't a cakewalk by any means. But got a couple hours and then just tried to stay up as long as possible, not really nap. Uh, and, uh, you know, once I – Friday night I slept really, really well. Saturday not as good. But um, the Friday night was like nine hours uninterrupted sleep. That's oh, incredible. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, that was that was like better than I sleep in the states. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall, really fun trip, and you know, just to see the uh, response from the fans was incredible. You know, even walking around Wembley, you know, and seeing people in Packers jerseys was you know just surreal. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, the, we have fans around the world and. Talking to a few friends of mine who uh, were in town for a long weekend for the game, they found multiple bars that were like Packer bars in London, which is, you know, I think it's just a reminder, especially, you know, for NFL players, how far the reach is, but Green Bay Packers players, just how deep, you know, our fan base is around the world. It's a reminder how special it is to to be able to play in Green Bay. Hell yeah. Go ahead, AJ. What about now? You guys don't have a bye, obviously. You come right back. How, how do you feel now, and is your schedule this week any different than a normal week? The only difference is Monday is usually kind of a flush recovery day with uh, with a workout, and we had Monday completely off. So it's kind of like the first uh, off day uh, completely off uh, of the season, which is, uh, which is nice. Uh, today was kind of a standard Tuesday, uh, other the workout was a little bit different. Usually we uh, – you know, we squat on Tuesdays, so didn't do that. It was more of kind of the flush workout today. Tomorrow's maybe a little bit later start, I believe. Um, but I think everybody's probably starting to feel a little bit better. I talked to some guys this morning, said they're still kind of dealing with some jet lag, but uh, we'll be ready to go by Sunday. This uh, The next two weeks, I haven't looked at the entire schedule, but uh, are our 
first, you know, noon central kicks. You only have one noon central on the books now. Kickoff uh, at Lambeau this year, and it's going to be this weekend against the Jets. And I believe we go to Washington and have a, a noon central, one Eastern kickoff next week. So uh, this will be, uh, you know, good for us to experience these uh, earlier games. We've been playing either primetime slot or in that 325 slot. How about some of those, like, West Coast teams that are kicking off at 10 a.m. local time mm-hmm. sometimes just for a regular season game? It's uh, wild, the East Coast bias, but we appreciate you guys sticking through it. Let's talk about the game that you had over there in London Town. Obviously, the introduction, you got a massive pop. There's cheese heads everywhere. Their chants were awesome. Yeah. I can't wait for a team to go over there. I think it's inevitable. Roger Goodell talked about maybe an entire division. I'm excited for their fan base to kind of dive all the way into the NFL because the hooligans – are fucking awesome. We can all agree with that. Let's talk about the game. Wink Martindale, uh, obviously OG defensive coordinator. Seemed like you guys had things rolling early. Second half, different story. What was it you think? Do you think it was something they were doing, you guys were doing, whenever you had a little bit of trouble there, or was it a combination of both, Aaron? Well, I think sometimes a lot of that uh, gets skewed uh, based on the, the coin toss. You know, we uh, they won the toss deferred, obviously, so we get the ball. Uh, so in the first half, uh, we had uh, basically one more possession than them. And, you know, the second half, we basically had one drive and then got the ball back with around 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter for a second drive. So it wasn't necessarily a ton of stuff that they did. It was we just didn't get the ball. You know, we had a good drive, our first drive in the second half after they made it 20 to, to uh, what was it, I think 2013, I think it was. And we drove down and then uh, got sacked on third down. And then didn't get the ball till the fourth quarter with about 10 left, all tied up. We had three three passes. You know, two of them had pretty good chance to complete uh, and didn't, and then punted it away. And then next thing you know, we're, you know, in two-minute drive to try and uh, – two-minute style drive to try and tie the game up. So uh, that was that was really what happened. You know, I, I have a ton of respect for Wink. I think he's a fantastic coach. They got a good scheme. They got They got really good players. But they're aggressive. They come after you. You know, they had a lot of different uh, pressures. They had edge pressure. They had overload pressure. They had empty pressure. Uh, so they threw a lot at us. I thought we handled it for the most part pretty well. We just had basically the one sack, uh, not counting the last uh, Hail Mary attempt. So I thought the line held up pretty good. We ran the ball decent. They got some studs in the inside. 97 is uh, a premier player and uh, needs to uh, probably get some more recognition for the uh, ability that he has talking with our interior three they think he's one of the top guys in the league for sure and he played uh obviously really well for them but they play really well together they fly the ball uh and you know we had some opportunities but i said after the game you know our margin of victory right now is our margin of error sorry is just it's it's tiny you know we, we need to increase that through you know better on third down better in situational football uh, get some turnovers on defense um and you look we're five games in we're three and two uh, you know, we're in the mix uh, after five. Uh, we got a, you know, a stretch right here coming up after this home game of a few road games in a row that we're going to have to go on the road and and, uh, and win in some, uh, some other environments. So we can overreact. You can't. There's another game coming right down the pipeline that is going to be difficult. And we've learned that through this Aaron Rodgers Tuesday experience. There's been some games that have not gone great for the Packers, and you've shown up, and you're like, hey, we got another game coming. We can't let what happened then happen again and i appreciate that and do you hear the overreaction for instance there was some shit discourse in the locker room after the game both schneidman with you talking about jair alexander's uh answer about manifestation and you know if 
we lose next week, then we'll panic. And then Aaron Jones also saying, you give me and A.J. Dillon a couple shots from the two-yard line, we feel like we're going to get in there. It's early in the season for this type of stuff to happen. Do you feel any of that? Do you hear about any of that? And is it getting blown out of proportion, you think, outside of the building like what we normally do, Aaron? Uh, yes, of course it is. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Happy to hear Look, that. I, mean, I, I love Jair. He's one of my all-time favorite teammates. He's a fantastic guy. Um, I wasn't even referencing his comments. You know, there was uh, there was a comment made in the locker room. And anytime, you know, I'm speaking in, in front of the guys after a game or I'm at the podium uh, or I'm on this show, uh, and same for everybody else. You know, I do my weekly on Wednesday in front of the locker room, in the locker room. Everybody else has their different times who are, who are speakers. We have uh, – we are the mouthpieces uh, to set – the narrative for the locker room. And there's an important responsibility with that because whatever I say or a coach says or a star player says is going to be echoed naturally throughout the locker room because guys are going to repeat things that they hear, motifs, themes, whatever it might be. And so I really feel like it's important that we're, we're speaking the right messages. So, again, I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, taking a shot at Jair at all. I love Ja, man. He's, he's an incredible guy. And he's a guy who has got a, you know, a, a beautiful spiritual path that he's on, and he's deeply uh, thoughtful, insightful, and meditative guy. Um, and he knows the power of manifestation. So I think we just got to be careful uh, with, uh, you know, some of those conversations because it becomes the narrative, uh, positive or negative. So uh, my, I was just trying to, to not rebuke anything, but just to refocus, like, just, just remember how powerful our words are uh, with the ability to manifest uh, our thoughts and, and our thoughts become our reality. So um, as far as what, it, what Jonesy said, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, look at the last play. They brought an empty pressure, but for whatever reason, they had a three-man side and left. Maybe if I hand the ball off to AJ, he scores. Obviously, if it's empty pressure, you're not really thinking hand the ball off. You're thinking take a shot. They had uh, Allen on one side, Cobby basically on the other side who were – possibilities uh, chose Allen the guy you know was perfect with his timing getting his hands up maybe I've thought to Kabi might have a better chance or maybe adjust the route to Allen but that's that you know that second guessing stuff and um, you know we had a couple opportunities we had opportunities earlier in the drive I think to score and uh, we were kind of milking the clock a little bit uh, you know looking back maybe uh, try and get that thing in a few plays earlier might have been a good way to go got it Hey, how confident were you at the end? That, that last, like when you had a Hail Mary, I was thinking, hey, worst case scenario, you throw it in the end zone, penalty, you get a free play from the one. Were you, when you're dropping back for that last player, you thinking, all right, this is, this is going to be a walk-off right here in London. It's awesome. And also, how are you feeling? Because you ate up a, ate a nice shot right there in that last one. You were on the 30. I, that that would have been a 70-plus yard huck. The load-up that you had to have for the crow hop, I mean, this— I give them credit. They didn't let you crow hop like you normally can. I give them a lot of credit. Four-man pressure, not normal either, right? Normally, it's just three guys, everybody else dropping back. You got, oh, smoke there. You're going from the 30. You had you, That ball is going five yards deep in the end zone from there, and— how, what was the pain on that? Sorry to interrupt. I, yeah, I mean, that that was about at the edge for sure. I've thrown <laughs> some 70 before. That would have been on the edge. It was one of those where I felt good up until the moment of, of uh, releasing that ball that it would have been close for sure. And, you know, our guys are battling. It's tough. You know, when, you, when you're throwing from the 40 or the 50, it's a lot different, the timing on it. You don't need seven, eight seconds. You need three or four 
and then launch it high. It'll give you guys enough time to get in the end zone. When you throw it from the 30, you need a good seven or eight seconds. So I was trying to dance around to get to myself to a spot uh, where I could, uh, you know, get the ball up. Uh, and there's one of those things where you get get kind of rocked, and you kind of, you know, after the fact, there's obvious disappointment that the game is over and, and awareness of what's going on behind you. John Ryan, uh, John Runyon picked the ball up and was running around. He looked good. Dead. Yeah, Maybe uh, get him the ball. He looks good. Yeah, I watched uh, – I was sitting next to John on the bus on the way back, and, it's, you know, linemen don't have a lot of opportunities for that glory, you know, for the, for the glory of having the ball in their hands <laughs> Uh, I mean, I saw one in uh, New England in 2010. That was one of the greatest plays ever. And that guy Great turned return. that kickoff yeah. almost for a touchdown. AJ was there for that. Dude, but uh, but John was rewinding that back in, you know, a few times on his iPad, checking his form, maybe his ball security a little bit. So, uh, you know, nice moment for John there. But I was taking kind of a record of where I was at, uh, my body, you know, shoulders, okay, neck, okay, neck's all right, knees, okay, they're okay. My thumb is a little banged up. Um, that's the only spot that uh, that's bothered me a little bit. Bennett, spin we gotta, it still. Yeah. Hmm. So, Jerry says you got to be able to spin it. Dak's got to be able to spin it. Is that going to mess you up? Any moving forward? You got the Bennett fracture, dude. Is everything okay? Uh, I hope uh, not. I hope not. I Paul think Russ. I think I'll be able to. I think I'll be able to spin. It. I think it'll feel better later in the week. Whew. Okay, because you do that. You know. Could you <laughs> throw? Like, how far can you throw left-handed, Aaron? Oh, I can't throw. I can't throw it all left-handed. I. I hurt my my arm in high school uh, pitching, uh, and so I spent the first month of kind of the summer not really throwing, letting my arm heal, and tried to throw left-handed and got really good. I could throw it 30 yards, and then I popped something on my shoulder, and I haven't been able to throw a ball, you know, 15 yards with my left hand. So every now and then I throw, you know, some laterals and stuff or screen passes, you know, pitches. Left, but I overhand left. I, I, I can't do that. Okay, Aaron, there was a moment, I think it was before the last play, where you, there's a timeout. It might have been the last play or the second to last play. I don't remember because it was an early morning over here when we were watching it play, and there was a lot of other games that took place. Timeout, you go over to LaFleur. You and LaFleur are talking. It appears as if LaFleur says, you want to run that with a question mark? Is is that a conversation that takes place before every play, before big plays? And what was said there, and what was ultimately the decision that was made there? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to run this play that we've run in the past that I felt like was going to give uh, all three of the guys on the one side a good chance to win. And they played it pretty good, honestly. They had uh, a lot of guys uh, up near the line of scrimmage playing man on the backside, and it didn't quite shape out. Now, that being said, I was trying to fit the ball through that wall of arms there on the left side. And in my mind, the ball gets through. It could be a, t- uh, a touchdown to Kabi there uh, on the inbreaker. It was tight coverage, but I uh, felt Second good about the throw. Yeah. Unfortunately, the ball got tipped way up in the air, and nobody caught it. But, um, but yeah, Matt had an idea about a play. I had an idea about a play. I liked both plays and, and just basically said, hey, whatever one you think, and, and jogged back out there to kind of give some uh, reminders to the guys, and he ended up calling on a play that, uh, that I was leaning towards. Oh, that's very good. Hey, look at that. I thought you two hate each other. Look at that. Uh, you two are going to get along. Uh, let's talk about somebody you get along very well with. 
Cobby had a big day, you know. Cobby had a big day. One week ago in this conversation, you said Randall Cobb's got himself back into shape. It seems like he's ready to go. He's earned a lot more reps, and we should have kind of seen it coming what was going to take place on Sunday. You were feeding him. He looked like he was flying around. It did look like it was like five, six years ago, Randall Cobb. Do you see that going forward? And, you know, what is it about Cobb that makes you so much more comfortable with him this year than maybe last year or, you know, anybody else on the team? I mean, I don't think there's a difference this year and last year. It's just what he's done to put himself in position to, to have an opportunity to make more plays. Uh, you know, he was dealing with some injuries coming out of uh, Houston and then obviously uh, had the core injury last year uh, in a game where he had his most yards, 95 yards in the first half there. Um, I just felt like he was trending in this direction where he's going to get more opportunities. Now, 13 targets was not the expected. I don't know when the last time he had 13 targets in a game was. Uh, but he made the most of a lot of them. You know, many of them were subtle adjustments. Uh, there were a few actual plays called. And he's not a guy that would call a ton of plays for. He just kind of gets the, you know, the first 40-yarder he had was an off-schedule. Somehow went through a sea of arms right into his gut and, he, you know, turned into another explosive gain on a third down. Uh, but there were some other subtle adjustments that we've, uh, that we talked about. One that we kind of put in uh, you know, on Friday that uh, worked absolute to perfection on the, on the two-minute drive in the first half. Um, again, you know, I had two opportunities uh, for touchdowns. One, they brought empty pressure on the two-minute drive in the first half, and he had one-on-one, and I just slightly underthrown him. Looked like it could have been, uh, you know, some interference there, but, you know, needed to put that ball another yard out there for him. And then, again, on the last play, he ran a good route. Would have been tight coverage, but an opportunity there for a touchdown. So, you know, I got a lot of trust in him. Always have. Love uh, what he's done to get himself, uh, you know, really back to, I think, running like he was running a few years ago and healthy and not having, you know, nagging things he's dealing with, you know, throughout the week. So, uh, and and that being said, you know, I don't want to do this every single week, but, <laughs> but I, I will say one guy that I was really, really happy uh, to get the ball to was big dog. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. What a touchdown. What a play design. Yeah, that was a great play design that the Hackett uh, brought to us a few years ago. And uh, we've been working on that for a while. And it's nice to get, uh, you know, big dogs had so many touchdowns in London over the years uh, playing for Jacksonville. Um, last time he was there, I think he had three touchdowns in the game. So we definitely wanted to get him a, a touch, but yeah, I've talked many times about our best 11, right? And, over and over, Big Dog's showing up and dominating the line of scrimmage in the run game. And, you know, I, I, I hope we can keep getting him opportunities, you know, here and there in the past game when we can because he is, <laughs> even though he's 280 and 6'11", he's very elusive with the ball in his hand. Yeah. And, and you know, he can do little things uh, in the passing game, especially in the red zone. So I hope we can get, uh, get him some more looks. And then, obviously – you know, we got to get Allen uh, more involved, too, uh, whether that's calling more plays for him or me giving him a few more looks. Uh, you know, Allen is such a talented guy for us. we got to keep finding, ball, finding ways to get the ball in his hands. Love that you said it last week against, uh, about Cobb, and then this weekend Cobb did his thing. Now it's big dog. Let's remember that going into the weekend. Sure. Let's remember that quarterback doing his thing, saying his thing. Hopefully we'll be able to see the big dog out there. You know, he is the only first-round draft pick that you've ever thrown a touchdown to. Oh, big dog. That's get, that gets stated every time you complete a pass to him. That is kind of the talking point. Not mm-hmm. that he's been in the NFL for like 19 years or something like that. How long has big dog been in the NFL? 
Well, he he's the only draft pick left from the 06 draft. I'm the only one left from the 05 draft. And then there's two kickers, I believe, left from the 07 draft. Uh, one of them is on our team. So we have three of the older guys in the league, that being said, not counting Tom, who was drafted in the 90s, I believe. So. <laughs> Uh, Ty, your question for Aaron. Aaron, it's comforting hearing you say all this stuff because Pat mentioned overreaction Monday. You know, we, we have to do what we have to do, and I think you know that fans kind of live and die every single week, and that's just because our expectations are so high, especially with you. We expect the Packers to win every single week, so it's comforting knowing that we're not, you know, bearing, bearing down a, a relaxed situation. But uh, I'm curious, what was the what were the field conditions like over there? Because I know there was that massive seam down the turf, and uh, a lot of people were saying the flight coupled with that was maybe by, why Bach uh, didn't play the whole game, just to kind of rather be safe than sorry there. Um, what, was it different playing on that, that turf, or, or did that affect anything at all, or not really? Well, first, I, I believe that that might have been a, a – the key factor in, in Dave uh, not going the whole time was Damn. the long flight and then uh, playing on field surf. I thought the turf was in was in fine shape. It was maybe a little firmer than some of the other surfaces, uh, maybe above not, not other surfaces, but maybe a little more firm uh, than the average surface. But going back to your first statement, let me just emphasize this. We, I'll speak for myself, I absolutely love the fact that the expectations are high. I mean, think about other places around the league. It's not like that. You know, the expectation of every time you take the field, greatness and winning and excellence, uh, it's been laid down through generations of, of Packer people, you know, coaches, front office people, and obviously players, the standard of excellence. And we embrace that, and we really do. And we know what comes along with that is when we don't achieve victory, the scrutiny is probably a little higher. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, this is what we want. We want an expectation of greatness and winning every time we take the field uh, because this is what Green Bay is all about. It's about a standard of excellence, and the excellence is related to a championship caliber uh, potential every year we take the field. And we embrace that. I embrace that. I love that. And when we come up short, we're going to be accountable and – at the same time, we're not going to panic. We're not going to, uh, you know, flip out, go crazy. We're going to, you know, get back to uh, the basics and the most important uh, things that help us do what we do and, and find a way to get on the right track. And hopefully this week will be a, a bounce back. I will say that, you know, it was two three-and-one teams. You know, mm-hmm. people, we were, I think, favored. But uh, maybe people haven't given the Giants enough credit Obviously, they have a dynamic uh, running back who's playing at a really high level. But the defense and Wink, you know, throws a lot of things at you, and they're a good football team. And obviously, the NFC East is a 5-0 and team and two 4-1 and teams right now. So, um, you know, we still got to face uh, two of those uh, teams and obviously Washington on the road. Um, so, but look, the, to sum that all up, we play in Green Bay. The standard is the standard. We love it. We wouldn't want it any other way. Hell yeah. And, and we're going to keep striving for that greatness, and hopefully we return to uh, the winning ways this week. That's why the stadium was 70%, 15%, 15%, because of what you just said. Fuck I love yeah. It. Yeah, Ty's about to fuck. He just put a hole in it. Ah, <laughs> six to midnight. Go ahead, AJ, your question for Aaron. Aaron, were you surprised at all um, 
by the support that you had personally. I feel like every picture I saw on Twitter or whatever, there's 5,012 jerseys walking to the stadium. And I feel like there was, you're like an adopted son over there for whatever reason. Over England. Is that because you and Sudeikis are boys or what? <laughs> Don't be going to a Harry Styles concert either. Whoa, whoa, especially whoa, now, AJ. yeah, especially now. Oh, you're, you're on Ted Lasso. So. I know. That's what I'm saying. AJ. Look, Harry's a big Packer fan and a friend of mine. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm always going to be a supporter oh, no. of, uh, of him. I love, love Ted Lasso. It's a great show. I had a great time with uh, Coach Beard, a uh, big uh, Chicago Bears fan, actually. Yeah. Uh, got to, yeah, uh, got to meet uh, <laughs> Jamie Tart and Roy Kent as well. Yeah. Uh, they were very nice. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun to be around them. It looks like they got a really close knit uh, knit group. Uh, this, you know, we'll see uh, how many more seasons they do. But I know they enjoy being over there, and I think the English uh, audience is starting to embrace. I was asking Jason about that. How you know, obviously in America, Ted Lasso is humongous, but is it big in uh, in England and Europe? And he said, he said it feels like it's more embraced. And Coach Beard was saying his level of fame has. Uh, uh, has risen, and I said, well, that's, what you, "That's what you get for writing uh, an episode all about you." Yeah, because he's one of the writers uh, on the show, which was one of the best episodes I thought in the last season was was the Coach Beard episode. But, but yeah, it was fun hanging out with those guys. And as far as the the uh, you know the support, it was great from the start. There were a ton of people uh, at the Grove who uh, who we got to interact with. One guy who was hiding out in the woods, uh, who they had to kick off property a couple times. It was. Trying to get close to some of us, but uh, it was pretty, the security was pretty tight at the grow. I mean, it was it was pretty locked down, but the fans were great. And we walked through the airport post game, and there was a ton of fans. And I was stopping and taking pictures and signing for as many as I could. Uh, but then that's when a lot of the conversations happen about, hey, I'm a big you know fan of the show, and I love the book club, and. And that was really cool because people from, you know, Germany, I'm from Germany, I'm from, you know, oh. obviously England, I'm from Wales, yeah. I'm from yeah. Scotland, Ireland, uh, yeah. Netherlands, wow. people from uh, from all over. Oh. So that was pretty awesome to be able to, to see those people. Thank them for coming. Obviously, you know, we feel bad about losing, but but big thanks for the support. Uh, just to correct something that AJ added in there, we appreciate all those people as well. An international book club is a cool thing mm-hmm. that I never thought that I'd have any association with. Nobody from Qatar was there, right? We don't know. He does. Uh, nobody said they're from, uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Qatar, I believe. You're right. Qatar. Yeah. Yep. I do apologize. Qatar. That is 100% on I would Qatar. Well, see, they, they were the worst team on the old FIFA uh, soccer game. Um, now they're hosting the uh, World Cup. It's going to go great. It's going to go great. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's upset about that at all. Let's nope. talk about people being upset about stuff. This rough-in-the-passer call stuff that's happening. Tom Brady, obviously, with Grady Jarrett this weekend, called by Jerome Boger, called one against the Bills or against the Ravens, against the Bills last week. Then last night, there's a situation where Chris Jones strips the ball clearly, takes it from Derek Carr, tries to brace himself going down, doesn't matter, the refs say. When you're in a throwing posture, that's going to take place. You can't review roughing the passer. It's really end-all, be-all, and it's affecting games. You're a quarterback. You've taken massive shots. I assume some of the rules that have been put in place are to save guys like you. 
to make you play longer. What are your thoughts on that? Tom Brady said, I don't throw the flags. And I think Tom Brady has gone out and said that the game's much easier now. It's uh, He didn't like the calls. I think you've said the same thing. But what do you think about how we fix it? How do we fix it? Is it fixable? And where do you stand on the whole roughing the passer, maybe being a reviewable penalty situation? Yeah, look, they tried to do that with pass interference a couple of years ago. It's tough because it's – there's a big subjective nature to that call. And I don't know how much you can see objectivity in a slow motion replay. Uh, hmm. You know, look, as a quarterback, there's times where we feel like football players and times where we don't. You know, there's, and, and what I mean by that is football is a collision sport. It's a contact sport. And so when we're involved in those, in those collisions, there's part of us, maybe it's the kid in us who grew up, you know, not necessarily playing quarterback, playing defense, playing running back, playing linebacker, tackling, you know, doing more of the stuff that everybody else in the field is doing every single time, not just, you know, dropping back and throwing the ball and not getting not getting hit every single play. There's something about that that I think we do enjoy. You know, we enjoy the contact. It is tough to play defense. You know, the strike zones for tacklers has totally changed. Uh, you can't hit guys over the middle like you used to. Uh, and then policing the quarterback position is the number one thing. And there's been multiple hits that have changed the course, the direction of roughing the passer, which makes it really tough. We've been on the wrong side of uh, a few of those calls over the years that uh, that kind of look similar to the play last night. Uh, I don't know, and again, I'm making a generalization here and just speaking for myself, though, but I personally am not begging for those calls, for that call last night. Like, I don't know what else Chris Jones can do on that play. Um, and that was not, that would not be a call I'd be begging to hit. The things that I think are most important is the shots to the head. Uh, that, that's the most important thing. It's the shots to the head and the unnecessary roughness ones where a guy doesn't have to pick you up and throw you down or or the two or three step shots it's like intent it. almost it's like intentional you're thinking you're saying yeah you know i think it's it's tough with the lower lo- the lower leg ones too because a lot of times those guys are already on the ground or going to the ground um so i think the the intent of the rule is protection of quarterback and it's a quarterback driven league right we have to understand that but the enforcement uh is very difficult for all referees. I, I know uh, both those referees, I mean, we've had them, uh, both Jerome and, and Carl, uh, they're both great refs, you know, and I, and I think they both felt like they made the right call. Uh, it's it's heat of the moment, it's bang, bang, it's quick. Uh, those are difficult, uh, difficult calls for sure, but it's more difficult in defense because I don't know uh, if I'm coaching defensive line, uh, and I'm sitting in with Chris Jones in a, in a meeting on Wednesday. Um, what am I telling him? What are you supposed to do different? I mean, what, what is it? And I think that that doesn't really get talked about whenever you're asking Carl why he made the call. But him doubling down on it, being like, well, in a throwing posture, they have protection. And I get the NFL is run by the quarterbacks. But, man, there's some big time. They go down to score. I mean, it is. Oh, yeah. It's big game, games are being decided by this whole thing. And. I'm happy to hear your take on it, but you have to compliment every ref because guess what? Probably have them this upcoming weekend. So just keep doing that, Aaron. We'll keep doing the bad stuff. Listen, it's a tough job. I mean, I'm not bullshitting. It's a tough job. I agree, yeah. Uh, everything happens 
in uh, fractions of seconds, and you have to make decisions which could Im- which could impact games uh, on what you're seeing. And I don't think it's to go down the road of of reviewing it. I think we might end up in the same spot we did with pass interference, where there's gray areas, and then uh, one call changes the entire trajectory of the, all other calls that fit under that uh, you know that standard. And I don't think it, when we did pass interference, I don't think. Uh, what was accomplished was what we had hoped um, because sure. like I said, one call refereed and interpreted a certain way changed, you know, uh, the review process on every other play. And I just think that uh, that's what's going to happen when you have a subjective call. There's, there's intent involved. And when intent is vol- involved, it, it uh, on a foundational level takes it out of a purely objective rule. And, I think that there's so much gray area that it, it may do more harm than good. Yeah, none of us know the right answer, I guess, at this point. I'm happy to hear your take on it. But, Aaron, if you get picked up and dropped on your head, mm-hmm. we're going to be mad about it. Yeah. Goddamn mm-hmm. right. Throw the flag. Mm-hmm. If you do a flop, though, we'll also probably, you know what I mean, be mad. Well, you know what I mean? There's a little bit of a gray area. But these refs, I don't think you tell the difference. If you're flopping around back there, you might be able to pick up a quick 15. Something to think about. Listen, I'm not telling you to cheat, but just something to think about. You might feel like a weak person, a little bit soft in in real time, and in the locker room, you might get buried on this show, probably get buried on the internet, probably get buried. That's the first down, baby. That's right. Are we moving the chains or are we not? You know what I mean, Aaron? Uh, I don't think it's worth it. You're right. I can never flop as a punter either. Somebody comes around, do the whole leg, get a first down. It's like it's going to be tough for me to talk to my parents, I think, after if I do that. It's going to be tough for me to talk to my friends. My teammates are right. going to judge me. It's first down, though, but still, mm-hmm. I'm a human. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, good luck this week. It is time for my favorite part of the week, Aaron. This is my favorite part of the week. I learn about things that I would have never learned about in the past. The first season of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club was a smashing success. It was an international success. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn right. There's people from Wales, England, and Ireland, Scotland, Scotland, Germany that are part of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club. Belgium. Belgium. Why? Belgique. Oui, oui. Italy. Why? Grazie. Grazie to everybody that joined the Aaron Rodgers Book Club. Had to run it back. Aaron Rodgers Book Club 2.0 has been fantastic. Obviously, a great one this week, too, which you won't be reading, but it's a great one. (laughs) Well, there was the Mastery of Love. There was the 1984. There was the Art of Contemplation. And then this week, book four of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club (laughs) 2.0. We've learned so much about authors we've never heard of. We read next to none of these books, but we tried our best anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Book four of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club 2.0 is? New York Times bestseller, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Hey, thanks, Mike. Let's go. There's also a Netflix series. If you don't want to read, I know you probably rather uh, watch Netflix. There's a Netflix series with the same name. Uh, this is a 400-page book, so it might be... Yeah, best for you uh, to uh, to check out the Netflix uh, series, but Netflix. fantastic book. It was uh, let's see, one of the top ten best books of 2018. Ooh, that's uh, good to books too. But uh, it's uh, the subtitle is "What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, Bye. and Transcendence." And a lot of the uh, book, as well as the TV show, is about the use of uh, uh, psychedelics 
and other substances to cure PTSD, what? depression, oh, postpartum, a bunch of different uh, issues that people are dealing with. He's done years and years, uh, decades of research, and I would uh, definitely recommend not just the book for the book lovers, but the Netflix series as well. Hey, listen, I'll Netflix and trip anytime, dog. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Is this about plants? <laughs> this is all about plants on this thing? But there's definitely some uh yeah, some reference to that. I think you'd enjoy it. Are we talking about the plant that you be- became synonymous with? Uh no, I don't think there's any uh, anything about that in there. Hmm. Oh, so it's kind of basic level? Synonymous with that now? Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah. I think for a little bit, old Aaron Ayahuasca. I think that's going to be, the, you know, for a little bit at least. Uh, but we appreciate that. Can't wait to watch it on Netflix. I hope the readers will read it. Uh, we appreciate your time. Good luck the rest of the week. And good luck getting readjusted to the American time zone, pal. Hey, thank you. Noon Central Kick this week, which all of us NFLers, we really love those. Love those. Hey, especially love- fresh out of a 9.30 a.m. kickoff last week, local. Straight into a noon local kickoff. Hey, listen, there's an art of contemplation, you know, and there's a lot of things you can do in there, and you can master love Mm -hmm. all you need to do. And you can go back to 1984 till now and see a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. But whenever you're talking about the mastering of changing a mind, change your mind, it isn't noon. It's prime time. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, the back-to-back MVP, Aaron Rodgers. All right, before we get out of here, AQ, you make any one of these balls. Come on, Al. I'm going to go with football. Yeah, but you can shoot the basketball, too, if you want. All right. You make any one of these shots. You made one last week, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, football. Yeah, you made one last week. If you make this, mm-hmm. Ty Schmidt will donate $5,000 to the Quaker Hunger Clock dot com. Here we Come go, AQ. AQ. Ty, Sh- Ty Schmidt's trying to help the hungry. Yes. Ty Schmidt's trying to team up a Quaker and feeding America to make the world a better place. Mm. Are you trying to help Ty help people, or are you getting in the way of Ty helping people? A.Q. Shipley from the Penn State University, mm-hmm. proud Nittany Lions. Yeah, that's right. Joe Paterno, McQuarrie and the boys, went into his living room, <laughs> recruited him to be a Nittany Lion. Mm-hmm. Now, Who else? Will he help feed? Jerry was there. The yeah, hungry. he was. A.Q. Shipley hosted in the trenches in the bobbled exchange, looking incredible in the Henley. Thanks. Here we go. Yep. For $5,000. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that looked good from the start. I was trying to bank it too much. Bad. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You can go down there. It can, nope. be, it can be an NBA three. It nope. can be an NBA three. Okay. You wuss. No, it's for, the, it's for helping. This is, a good, this is a good idea. A.Q. Shipley from NBA... Mm. Oh, yeah, that helped him. Maybe take a layup. Jesus Christ, what was that? <laughs> AJ. Are you shitting me? AJ, this guy what? doesn't want to help the, help the hungry. You Brett Favre? Jesus in. Christ. Yeah, less food I, for him. I'm a, I'm a bank. What a prick. I'm a, I'm a bank this one, all right? Clay Thompson. Favre said he's innocent. There's another ball. Yeah. <laughs> mm. One more. You little fucking oomph yeah, what the hell? hell? He's far, dude. shooting far. <laughs> Guy has a broken neck. Uh, that's a good point. Ew! Oh my <laughs> god! Was that real? Is this just a joke? Oh, oh, hey, bonus oh, ball, bonus ball, bonus ball. From the side, from the corner. You must hate hungry people. From the corner. Bang. Oh! 
Oh. Hit the rim, though. It's got to be worth something. Hey, he's, this NBA three-point line. So far. It's far. It's far. Yeah, yeah the stage shot really far, too. on the rebound machine. Yeah, he's shooting like Ogalskis. Oh. Hey, great, great in the trenches. We'll, do, we'll donate 2500 just because. Jeez. Quaker, hunger, clock. Dot com. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 2,500 is still 10,000 meals. Too. No, 2.5 million. Oh. No. No, it's 250,000. <laughs> hey, come on. Jesus. Or is it 25,000? 25,000, I think. Yeah. Feeding 25,000 people because you missed. So, she'll go to buy Pretty it. good. There you go. Congrats. 75,000 people are pretty pissed that they're going to bed hungry because you don't make shots. You want one more AQ or no? No, that was bad. <laughs> you want to throw the football again? Come on. Come was... on. All right, let's go. Dorsal right. Dorsal fins right here. Throw that football dirty. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, you can miss Jabba. We got faith. Oh, Ooh, that was drilled Jabba. Ball. That was a good ball, Dirty. Dark. All right, if this one goes in, 10,000. Come on, Al. Okay. See if Phil's not going to be happy it went no. up. Oh, baby. Ooh. Oh, baby. Oh, oh. man. That's that was me. good. You're welcome, Phil. Uh, sorry, hungry. Yeah, Jesus. Sorry. You want to throw a tire? Well, I was going to say to Zake, you want the dorsal fin. How does this thing What work? state are the hungry people in? Well, it's got yeah. a gyroscopic sphere. We know where they're at. There. Make sure the fin is twisted yeah. in is the, the right direction. Is the fin twisted to the left for right-handed throwing? <laughs> yeah, 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 make sure you get that all squared away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's twisted. Good. It helps if you look yep. through it like a rangefinder before yeah. you throw it. Yeah, there you go. That's the one? Yep. 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 I got it. Lock in. 35 I got yards. it. AQ Shipley, Penn State University. Oh! <laughs> 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 this guy. That thing's hard to throw. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Oh, man. Yeah, you got a baby. So close. Throw the chair. Five-hour energy phone line. Oh, man, this guy. Throw the helmet, the Steelers helmet. Uh, Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. Yeah, oh, I got a golf ball. No, do not throw the brain. All right, anyways, that's it. I think that's going to be it. How about the mastery of love? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, throw a mastery. Yeah. Like oh, train it. Get legs. Ah. <laughs> We're trying to help. Throw the other books. Throw the other books. <laughs> We're trying. Can you put one in? Throw the Let's Ride box. This is 1984. That actually looks like it might float. Yeah. Heavy duty. Get left. <laughs> Get left. They will turn. They will turn. Backboard. Oh. Man. Need a hard copy. Yeah. <laughs> We should put Dog, some of those uh, all don't the way through. Don't throw, yeah, throw your arm back. He's going to put a hole in the floor. <laughs> all right. Fingerprints oh, no. of the gods. <laughs> Get oh! Oh! Some librarian is going to be so fucking pissed, dude. No, 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 no. These books, they make them better. Yeah. yeah. That's not disrespect. I was trying to raise money for the hungry. Having grit. Come on. Do librarians not like the hungry? I don't know if librarians are going to get hungry or not. Uh, we know the you Indianapolis one doesn't like them. Jeez. Oh. 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 Tough day. Tough day. Easy. Small hoops. Small hoops. Got a bad day. Bad day. How about Hulkamania, oh, brother? Here you yeah, go, Al. there you go. Hold on. Give Hulk a toss, brother. <laughs> hold on. What are we find? Hidden bonus ball. Oh! oh Put it in. For the hungry. What if this goes in? It would be great. Yeah, it's a hidden bonus ball, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, his first attempt, if he makes this <laughs> in, we will donate $10,000 to QuakerHungerClock.com, which is Quaker and Eli Manning working together to help feed the hungry. 
from around the United States of America. Shout out to Feeding America, the organization that's uh, doing it all. Mm -hmm. This is Alan Quay Shipley. Come on, Al. Super Bowl champion player coach. There it is. Oh, baby. Oh. That looked good. They Don't they all look, look good? good? Yeah. yeah. They do except, for me. except the basketball yeah, the shots. Basketballs are a little. Yeah. <laughs> basketball shots are bad, man. That's all we got, bro. Some of those didn't even sniff the net. <laughs> all right. Well, we tried. I wanted help. Yeah. Should we try a layup? If you're hungry and you want to be mad, be mad at that guy. In the trenches. That's right. All right. Thank you to Aaron. Thank you to Kevin O'Connell. Thank you to Eli Manning. Thank you to Kyle Van Noy. Thank you to AQ Shipley. Yeah. Thank you to you for watching. Thank you to Jabba for doing his thing thank today. You, thank you to the Toxic Table. Hammer. Done. It's about 10 or 15 minutes. Yep. A lot of winners. We got hockey and baseball well, and right. football well, and everything. Right. Back room, incredible work. AQ, great job. We'll see you all tomorrow in about 20 hours. AQ, AJ, you're the man, pal. There you go, AJ. Thanks, guys. Great show, guys. Good program. All right, good program. See you guys tomorrow. Goodbye.